We have a Cleveland Moto podcast. We are running. Uh, oh, good out, Steve. Good job. Good timing. You were right on the money with that. Uh, to my immediate left, I have Pete Hempling. Excellent. And uh, to his left, Cam Vanderhorst. Excellent. And Johnny Mack. And to his left, Merritt Waters. Hey, Merritt. And to his, her left, I'm not used to saying her. <laughs> uh, Steve Sleepy Cinch. And your humble narrative, Phil Waters. So here's where we're, like, we've reached August. We've made it. We have. Right? Uh, the rains have stopped. It's, had, it's been dry long enough that we can actually be like, you know what, I can go to work today. I can ride my bike today. and not My grass is turning brown. Yeah. I love it. Beautiful. Oh, your grass is turning yeah. brown. It slows the growth cycle down yeah. way much, yeah. Well, you know what's cool is uh, I was working on our flower beds today, and it's been so dry that our weeds, and we haven't weeded, so our weeds right. even turned brown, and they were so easy to <laughs> oh, pull out. Oh, get out of here. It was a great stage. <laughs> it's, it's the perfect a, it's stage a new, of weeding. It's a new low. You have to wait until the weeds get dry enough. Mm -hmm. Don't pull those out yet. They're healthy, strong, and prickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of healthy, strong, and prickly, Cam, uh, so I see you're wearing your NSR shirt from I me. Am. Yeah. I dude. love the shirt. Yeah, those guys, uh, I was recently, I found their business card from the folks who brought all the kick-ass Japanese motorcycles to AMA Vintage Days. I'm, I still have dreams about the KRS 250 they had that I didn't <laughs> even, like, sit on. There, I mean, uh, so last week on one of, one of my many Sunday missions that I had, I tripped over the Moto Compo. <laughs> I was trying to get through the garage, and uh, uh, it's not deployed. It's fully uh, retracted. Yeah. It's in full like if it were a transformer, it would still be a cassette tape at this moment. It's in suitcase mode. It's in suitcase mode. Absolutely. Did you kick it and say you little fucking ankle biter? <laughs> I, uh, I I did trip over it, and you, know, I you don't have kids, so you can only blame yourself. I can't only blame. It's myself. roughly the size of a Scottish Terrier. <laughs> well, um, and what did you fall into? Oh, I, at that point, I fell into the KLR 650. Hmm. So I was wedged in between the Harley and the KLR at that particular moment, and so I just. I just eschewed running into the escargot mm -hmm. and fell into, fell over the motocampo. I was like, well, don't fucking fall over it, you dumb shit. Pull it up. Give it a ride. You know, reach up and give it a tug. It was reaching out to you. It was reaching out to me. It's the law of attraction. Like it's I was saying, attention, things you want, want yeah, you. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was exactly right. And I think that's the voice it probably made, Cam. <laughs> Uh, say, say, uh, tell me what that bike would have told me at that moment as I kicked it, having it not being ridden for what, two weeks, three so weeks? So you hadn't ridden it since? I hadn't ridden it since mid-Ohio. Take me out, Phil. It's cold and dark in here. Exactly. I didn't see that coming. It's, it's so beautiful, dude. It is so beautiful. And, and that's what it was, too, because... You know, when I test rode it in mid-Ohio, they were so trying to shut down. They were so trying to go home. They had had a bad weekend. And on top of that, I gave them way less money for that bike than, than they really wanted to get for it. Um, they took my money, which means they were satisfied. You know, so, but I took that thing out. And it was just, it was a totally unsatisfactory test ride. He's like, oh, we only put a small amount of oil in it. You know, like, he knew that it wasn't that bike's shining moment. So I did, I, I gave it a full basic service. I gave the thing the best basic service in PDI a little two-stroke Honda Spree motor has ever had. Uh, and 
Yeah, there was like there was like one rampant little molecule of oil hiding in the premix tank. <laughs> so yeah, that's why the the red light was on the dashboard telling you that he had no more oil. The only light on the dashboard. The only light on the dashboard was the red light telling us it had no oil. So when you fill it up, then it starts. It all drains out, and now you figured out why. You know, like that's why it's empty. It did it great. Was... No, it held oil. So you know, I treated it to some uh, some full synthetic uh, iPhone, so I enjoy the urinal cake urinal cake smell. We could have a whole discussion about whether that was the right move or not. Well, again, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I that's what I had in my garage. Uh, and that not is the, my not secret. strawberry iPhone. Just strawberry iPhone. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Urinal cake flavored iPhone. I never knew that was the scent. Oh, you didn't. You need to spend more time in men's bathroom. I was going to say she has to probably smell a lot of urinal <laughs> cakes. <laughs> iPhone two-stroke oil does smell an awful lot like urinal cakes. Maybe yeah. that's intentional. It could be, and uh, I know the reason they said they wanted to do it was so that the ladies riding on the back of the two-strokes in Europe, their hair didn't smell like petroleum. You know, <laughs> it didn't smell like a refinery, but instead it smelled like urinal cakes, which again, <laughs> you know, I would much rather, uh, like, if I was, if I was, uh, if it, if it was the end of the day, yeah, and and I was taking my special someone to bed, I would much rather they smelled like uh, petroleum clots. Yeah. And the thing about scents, when I flew the big airplanes, yeah. the things, uh, the guys all got because they sell the drag racing juices all in the different flavors, so yeah. like grape, cherry, yep. lime, apple, all this mm -hmm. different stuff. So all the big airplanes use two-stroke motors. So if, you know, we for a minute there, everybody caught onto it, and you'd be walking down the flight line and just bombasted with like all this stink. Coming <laughs> oh, out. it was the 15 years ago version of vaping. Yeah, it like, was horrible, different. Man. Well, that's what I was just yeah. thinking. Like now that weed's legal, or right, when are we going to have like hemp two-stroke oil? Or well, something? they do. So <laughs> at Colorado for like, ages, because they have bean oil, right? Yeah. I might, I might know somebody that buys cartridges. Uh, for a <laughs> marijuana vape pen, that yeah. uh, they're different flavors, like peach, yeah. or uh, that person's personal favorite is a. Uh, I know somebody pebbles. very well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's well, right he's, a, he's a pretty good guy. Yeah. yeah. You pour that in your two-stroke, yeah. and whoever's following behind you. I always thought it was hilarious that at Sportique Scooters in Denver, right on the fucking counter, they had a bottle of weed-flavored oil you could pour in your two-stroke. Mm. And it would make your exhaust smell like weed. And I'm like, well, that seems like probable cause, if you ask good, me. Good I mean, weed or bad weed? I don't the even smell know. Honestly, weed is usually the lower Either way, you're not going to be a popular allegedly. guy at any rally you go to. Yeah. You go okay. visit by with all the weeds, and everybody's excited, and right. you're like, oh, it's just my smell on my scooter. Yeah. That's so what I, think, I put so I think scooter. now is as good a time as any to plug, um, since we're talking about scented things. Yeah. I like things that smell good. Um, <laughs> it's so, the whole website. So I, 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 developed a, uh, I developed a lens cleaner. Okay. For motorcycle visors, it also has an anti-fogging agent uh, in it, and it works on every like mirrored lens. Doesn't sure. strip anything, doesn't strip anything, and it smells like banana popsicles. Banana popsicles. It doesn't leave any residue behind. It smells doesn't like hurt the lens. And yeah. yeah, it's not a genuine banana right. smell. I specifically wanted the fake banana popsicle. So that means it's not the Cavendish. It's not a Cavendish. Mm -hmm. Correct. It's what our ancestors called banana. Mm -hmm. But if you've ever put yeah. like anti-fogging like stuff on the inside of your visor, all the time. And you just have to ride with that awful smell in there. Well, now you ride and it smells like banana popsicles. You know what? Nothing could be worse than when you and Chris bought those <laughs> circa 1974. Oh, no. <laughs> that was nasty. 1974 visors. I still haven't unwrapped one of them because I don't want that smell either in my house or yeah. in my garage. I'm afraid of like uncorking it in my backyard and all my chickens dropping dead. <laughs> That is the most, like, when we were trying to try it on, yeah. like, for, like, a game to see how long we could keep my helmet on, yeah. that had been sitting outside outgassing right. for, like, two and a half, three hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And I bought a pair of gloves from Dixie a long time ago. And the gloves themselves are deerskin gloves. They're gauntlets. They're that level of technology from the mid-80s or early 80s where they aren't full of, like, carbon fiber knuckles mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever, Kevlar crap, and they don't have nine zippers on them. They're just gloves. Organic. They're just gloves. The problem is what they smell like is hell. They smell like the worst of everything. And they really are good gloves. They're the proper... They're the glove you want when it's snowing outside. They're the glove you want when you're riding your motorcycle. There's enough could, there's enough air in there. There's enough to keep you warm. And the principles of staying warm on a super cold day are trapped air. Whereas most gloves that are like, they look like they're articulated and they look like they're transformers and everything else, they don't trap any air in there and they get cold real quick. A $200 pair of gloves gets cold pretty quickly Yet this, you know, $39 pair of deerskin gloves that I scored when Dixie was going out of business for three bucks works great. The problem is the smell doesn't wash off. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I bought my, um, I got, I took my, my daughter a couple, this is a couple months ago for a ride. You know, we go, I take her out on the scooter. Yeah. And this cop pulled up next to me. He's like, you got a seatbelt for her? And I'm like, what? You know, and it's like, he goes, get a seatbelt. I'm like, okay. So I look on eBay. And, I, and like the only place you could find a seatbelt for a scooter is in China, you know. Of course. So I ordered this thing, and basically it's like a big harness that goes around my fat butt, and then like two things that go over the top of her because she sits in front of me on the little scooter. So okay. she's attached right. to so you. So she's attached to me, oh, really? so she can't like just fall oh, that's off interesting. or something, right? Hmm. But that's not anything legal. I mean, you don't have to have that. He 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 suggested that anybody that's under six, they're, they're the old get no shit from it. Well, that it's, was the thing that I was worried about when I used to take pipers. Yeah. Well, there might not be a law that says you have to do something like that. They, but, could, they could claim child endangerment right, or something, or something. Like that. So Somebody they, wants to call. But basically, like, you're showing them that you put the extra for effort to make sure you're not killing her. And I'm, I, I don't take her on the highway. We're going on 20-mile-an-hour street, you know, whatever. But anyways, when I got this thing, you know, it came the slow boat over from China. Oh, yeah. Apparently, they soaked it in something that, like, I had to leave it in the sun outside for two weeks before I could before even Before you could get near it. it. Yeah, it was uh, so horrible. Man. Outgassing is a real thing. Oh. And if you buy stuff from overseas, you buy stuff from China, it Walk smells in Harbor awful. Freight. I mean, Harbor, Harbor Freight. Freight. Yeah. Right. yeah. It just smells like It smells like, cheap uh, Chinese. It smells like gear oil and Chinese. But not good Chinese. gear oil. It smells like, like putrid gear oil. Yeah, like, it's, it's very distinct. I always worry a little bit, like when I get something shipped directly from China, and you're like, wait a second, this yeah. was just in China. It right. came directly to my house. Yeah. It hasn't gone through a quarantine or a, you know, when I cut this envelope open, the last person to touch it could have... <laughs> Who knows? And what's coming out of the envelope is China. It and is I, China. Right? I have a dude in my office. I always get stuff for all my drone shit sent from China. And they always send candy and stuff. This dude's the first dude to grab it and start eating it. And oh, I'm really? Like, dude, yeah. I mean, the like, China candy? I'm not mad about China candy, but this is like in a random box. Oh, like, yeah. You know, like, I'm not 100% convinced. That the Royal Enfields that used to come and there was like newspapers. And oh, telephone yeah. You could smell curry yeah. and, and incense and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, whatever... Paper was left from whatever lunch yeah, they had yeah. that day was in the crate with the Royal Enfields. You know, it was not uncommon for us to find their trash in the crate with the Enfields. So, you know, that was a that was a thing. When I got my Grim, the, yeah. the Grom clone, um, I, I obviously wasn't going to leave anything that they sent the thing in there. No. So I undid the oil, and what came out was not necessarily oil. Right. It was like vegetable shortening or right. something. It was disgusting. Short lifespan. Yeah. Bud Light. Bud yeah, Light. probably Bud Light or something. Could have been like 0W20. Yeah, it was, right. it was Any more. of the new like four cylinder, yeah. newer four-cylinder cars that use 0W20 yeah. uh, coming in, going in, it looks like Miller Lite, and coming yeah. out, it looks like Guinness. 
Yeah. But at no point in the in does zero W twenty's like life does it look like motor yeah. oil. Yeah. It, it always looks like a WD forty. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's such a thin. I mean, that is such a thin barrier. Have it's you ever crazy. Tried running an engine on straight seafoam. Um, I'm, I'm, sure I'm sure there's some old man there's somewhere YouTube that's done a YouTube there. video. Right the now. farm guy. What's his right. name? Farm tester or farm uh, guy or yeah. whatever he's. Wrangle Star. He's the other one. He's like you know. I can be bought. I have ninety million YouTube views, but I can be bought. So. Um, uh, well, here that's a that's an interesting thing, yeah. though, for your listeners. When things do come, you know, from these countries like China, yeah. what you know, what's the collective wisdom about literally what to do so that it's the safest? Because it could be like toxic beyond anything we really want to breathe in. Hell yeah. So, like, what's the best thing you've found? Do you wear like? I think I think sleepy's onto it. I think yeah. the idea is get it out of your house. Yep. Mm-hmm. Put it out in the sunshine because. Like my grandfather said, sunshine's the best disinfectant. Mm-hmm. UV light. Yeah. UV, UV, yeah. They sell UV lights for disinfecting. Yeah. Right. I mm-hmm. think that putting it out in the sun is a great idea. I mean, and I spraying it, it down too. with some like yeah. soapy water. Water, soapy water. If it's something you can wash. Yeah. Right, I mean, right. but you know, sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, I've had some stuff that just had the true funk, that had like the funk of funks. <laughs> and, and it was just like, it wasn't coming out of it. Because it's, I mean, it's the chemicals that concern me. Yeah. Just oh. the carcinogens yep. and other things like unnameables because I'm not really science yeah. savvy. But I mean, these seem like really real things that yeah. we, we are getting things from those countries. We're going to continue they're, doing that. They're probably using the stuff that like our granddads got sick from 50, 60 years ago before there was any sort yeah. of regulation. They're like Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm more Mar- worried about the biological. Like, Mar- do you remember somebody who just got the bird flu was like, "Achoo!" I stuffed it in the thing. And then you open it up, like, oh. yeah. I'll tell you what: if bird flu can make it all the way from China yeah. and pack it two weeks. Yeah, on a on a boat, and then through the U.S. Postal Service, and then to my house. Merrick, that do you bird remember, flu can take me. Uh, that bird you, flu wins. Do you remember when we were racing, and Sean Stevens and a couple of the other guys got their Pakistani leathers? Oh, I had one of those from NewEnough.com, and they were like, they were they were they were cheap as shit. They were like three hundred and fifty dollars for a full set of race leathers with great color patterns. Yes, too, they were. As I recall, <laughs> they all looked like. If you took My Little Pony and Power Rangers and put them together, <laughs> what year was that? Because we did. Because uh, what, what year was that? Do you remember? Oh, man. It was like '98 or something. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about yeah. right. Because it, it was, was like '98. So. The colors were awful, and they were all Pakistani leathers, and we called them Paki leathers. Like that was our term for them. So disrespectful, but yes, that's what we. But Rob them. Hodge had a set. Sean Stevens had a set. A lot of guys had these things. Uh, I think like Joe Cochet, like uh, Kokash had a set. Yeah. And they all had these things, but we went, I think it was to um, Norway Speedway, or either Norway Speedway or it was that uh, Blackhawk Speedway in Indy, in, um, sorry, Chicago. Illinois, outside, outside of Chicago, Chicago yeah. like Rockford, Illinois. Yeah. We were racing there, and it was balls hot. I mean, it was like a proper 105 degree race day. And these guys were sweating in these leathers. I think that was a gateway. Oh, gateway! You're right. So hot. <laughs> gateway. We had the, the hottest. Everywhere. Yeah, the hottest race ever was at St. Louis Gateway, yep. and the coldest, where it snowed, was Gateway. <laughs> so we had our snow race and our heat race at fucking St. Louis, <laughs> and that is in town. Like that's downtown St. Louis Gateway International Speedway. It's a NASCAR banked oval that they do a motorcycle, uh, two mile GP road racing course in the middle of utilizing one of the banked walls of the oval. It's very exciting to race there because you transfer from the flat ground of the infield to the extremely steeply banked like oval. 
So we come down a straightaway right into the bank? Jump down the straightaway. There's a chicane. They, they have the chicane there so you don't die when you do the transition. Which has like, which has like uh, safety tape over cords going across That's it. Like, true. I don't know what was with that. It was red and white and I wanted to get over it as yeah. quickly as possible. <laughs> they, they literally tell you. They're like, oh, well, we've taped down all yeah. of this stuff <laughs> like here with red and white what? safety tape. And then they put that green barrier. There was like a green, like a rumble strip, basically. Yeah that they put a green barrier and they're like, if you go over the green <laughs> surface that they had created as a chicane to slow the sport bikes down, if you go over that, we're gonna dock you like 15 cent seconds a lap. Well, we're all riding this on much smaller wheels and we discovered by like the fifth lap, the only safe way to get onto the, onto the back, uh, the oval, the, the banked oval, the only safe way was to go over that green and black mm -hmm. marker, that green and black, you know, material they had put down. Because had we tried to do the chicane, we would have died. There's no way we could we have done the chicane. We would have had to go so slow. We would have had to go so slow. We would have never had enough inertia to get up the wall. But so you started to say something that I had was to saying do with... that it was so bloody hot out that all of our guys sweated <laughs> into their packy leathers which they use urine, they use animal urine to dye, to tan them. I was gonna say fermented goat leather. Correct, no. correct. <laughs> and all the colors bled into their skin. <laughs> so all these guys pulled their leathers off and they were the color of their leathers. Nice. They looked like they'd been oh. body painted. And I, they smelled like awful. awful. I, uh, no, thank I, you. I, Nobody I had, would come near us. I had the same, probably, I don't know if the same company, but about the same time, they all kind of hit eBay and yeah. websites and stuff. Yeah. And so when we all started going down to New Philly to like right. ride the things on our, our sport bikes, everybody was getting full others, and I yeah. couldn't afford like an Alpine no. Star. So I bought like whatever, like you know, like, yeah. like race one dot whatever you know thing. <laughs> so same thing. So this thing's great when it was cold, and I had it, you know, I squeezed into it because I was never a small guy. Right. So I was still married to the woman that hated me. So she was always looking for a reason just to yell at me. So I went to New Philly. We raced. It was the same thing. Hot as shit all day long. I'm sweating in this thing. And I get home and nobody's home. So I go upstairs to get out of this thing. Yeah. And I got the leather. So it was a zipper all the way down the front, oh, you know, yeah. obviously. I got the leather down past my shoulders. And then I got stuck. No, your handcuff. Oh. And then yeah. I fell backwards. And yeah. I'm laying on the floor. And just like you're saying, I smell like a donkey piss <laughs> and everything. And I'm laying there and I can't get up. And, and my ex-wife comes home and she's like, what? the hell are you doing? Yeah. And she's like, you're just disgusting. And then she didn't help me. So oh, yeah. But you're right. That thing was so disgusting. And same thing. I couldn't tell because I had tattoos back then yeah. too. But like you could tell it was you a darker died. over here and it was so horrible. Merit, we were all like, we were all young racers. I did so not have those. We were all struggling for leathers. <laughs> she I got a set of Dionysies. You got those. Yeah, you got, she got a set of used Dionysies from our friend Scott. <laughs> Who's a small fella? White and black and silver. Oh, they're very sexy. Very nice. Too. And she picks up these Dionysies. That's like easily a two thousand dollars suit. Yeah. And she picks them up and she puts them on, and I was just like, "You got to keep those. Like that's a win." You, you, you they can't. were a little too big, as we learned later on. As we learned later on, they were slightly too big because her armor didn't stay where her armor was supposed to be. <laughs> good enough, but not as good as it should have been. It should, yeah. She ended up with a, a quite a quite a bit of bumping and bruising as a result of her armor migrating. So now we learned a thing or two about getting armor that fits right. And even helmets. Yep. Like if it's comfortable, it's probably not the right size. No, it's terrible. In it's the worst thing to buy a comfortable helmet. If you're going to be on the racetrack, that's what they call racer fit. Mm -hmm. Racer fit means that it kind of fucking hurts. Yeah. Like it's yeah. When you see all the guys, really <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they like to do an interview, but they can't talk to because their cheeks are tucked in. Yeah, so that was cool. The uh, 
wanted to talk about a couple of events that are coming up because in Ohio, we're going to be spoiled for events here very shortly. Mm -hmm. The weekend in particular of September the 27th, guys, I got to tell you, I, I just can't give you enough information about what's happening. So in Columbus, we have the AIM Expo. And oh, it's the, back this year? It is back this year. So it did a, a year yeah, in Vegas, yeah. and it came back. Cool. So it's back in Columbus. That very same weekend, for those of you who are uh, scoot curious, is the Columbus Scootacue. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the city of Columbus, we have... The AIM Expo starting on Thursday for uh, vendors and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Then Friday, the Scooter Q. Mm -hmm. And then on Sunday is the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Mm -hmm. In Columbus? Well, there's one in Columbus. There's Everywhere. one in Cleveland. There's oh, one, wow. hopefully, in the city that yeah. you're from. Right. And uh, you know that, as usual, we do, we do operate the DGR in Cleveland, so we will be operating it, as we will be. Cool. We're going to have to retreat early out of Columbus to get up here to Cleveland to do the DGR. And actually, what I was thinking about doing was to throw a little kink in it. We know we've historically done DGR as a breakfast to lunch event. Right. I'm considering doing DGR as a dinner event mm -hmm. for the first time ever. So people can spend time with their wives and kids and stuff in the morning. And then in the evening time, we'll do a DGR. Well, we started so, the DGR, so cool. say, in Mansfield yeah. and rode home. <laughs> we're coming home from Columbus anyhow. Yeah, that's true. So we could make it like a that's uh, true. like a homecoming type thing. That's an interesting Distinguished day. Gentleman's Return. Return. Ooh. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. The the retreat from Columbus. We wouldn't even have to start all the way in Mansfield. You could start in yeah. Ashland or what did, just join just in. However long you want to make it. Yeah, like the hot rod power tour. You just kinda of exactly. show up. Yeah. Show up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good I idea. I really enjoyed the AIM show last time. It was a couple years ago. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. The I best part was the Honda Club that they had there with that guy that had the the one Goldwing that yes. was like completely refurbed yeah. and stuff. That was awesome, man. So what we're gonna do uh, after the podcast is done, we're gonna get you guys to give all your information. If you're interested in attending the AIM, mm -hmm. um, we do have a podcast. We have some media credentials. I want to get all your contact information so we can make sure that you get in for uh, for you know on the media list. It's fifty four days away. It's fifty four days away. That's exactly Thank right. Thank you for that. And there's a lot of stuff like. If you haven't done, so it's real simple. It's called aimexpousa.com. You go to that, and that will give you the basic information. Uh, they do demo rides. Like, there's a lot of shit going on. There's, uh, there's a lot. And there's no shortage of stuff to do while you're there. Mm -hmm. Now, if you haven't already, if you're planning on booking a room, because there's a large number of events going on in Columbus that weekend, you definitely want to book a room. Are the Buckeyes in town that day? Too? I don't know, and that seems to always happen. I'm going to double check, I'll double check yeah, it It right does now. seem to happen. And uh, we can tell you Columbus that... Columbus crew. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, like I said, with the Scooter Rally and AIM together, my ticket is certainly fucking packed. So I know that I'm covered for that last weekend in September. If Ohio State's in town, though, that's an extra 100,000 people coming into this city. Oh, that that's right. It's which. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, I don't give two shits about the football game, no. but I just but don't want to deal with the extra 100,000 people. So we Sunday, booked Saturday a house. Afternoon. But they do a pretty good job. They have motorcycle parking. So if you ride down, mm -hmm. they that's give true. you a free, nice, yep. right next to the building You're motorcycle right spot. Yeah, that's true. For the for the, AMH AMH for the yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's right. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. They're going to do demo rides. Uh, they were very generous with the demo rides last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, i got to say that it was quite something. 
they had a lot of stuff going on, and for being in downtown Columbus, they do make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that happens happens within about a three or four block radius, mm-hmm. so they do keep it really tight. Uh, what I will say is, Cleveland Moto, we have booked a small house. So, yeah, so we've booked a small house, and we're going to be joined from the guys from no, the NOCO, the Northern Colorado podcast, will be joining us. And we'll be recording a podcast in our rumpus room of our really small house um, in the short north there by the, uh, our rumpus room is pretty kick-ass. We've got like a, you know, mid-century modern bar set up and everything. It's really cool. So How much uh, bike parking we got at the house? So there's two full car parking spots. So And there's some on-street parking too. So what I'm considering is, you know, is there if, a backyard? There's a bit of a bit backyard. So what I'm suggesting is, play it like you would the short north. The short north in Columbus is tight. Yeah. You know, any any piece of desirable real estate has been built upon thrice. So you don't you don't expect to be able to bring in your 26 foot trailer and be able to back it up. You know? So here's the question. Yep. Is there a place to park cars and ride bird scooters around? No, I don't know. Are they doing birds in Columbus? I don't know. Oh, my buddy was. We were just in San Diego. There's birds birds everywhere. everywhere. My buddy was in in Greece right now, and there were birds in Greece, and people are already vandalizing them. Well, of course, there's amazing hacks on the internet already where you can like like, get the batteries uh, out of them to like power your toaster and stuff. It's amazing. (laughs) It's really good. One of my favorite Instagram is bird. Got it. Got it. So you can't go to jail for stealing. Right. You just get the batteries and all these cool components. Oh, okay. And basically, it's like uh, it's a chop shop. It's a bird chop shop. It's what you can do. It's repurposing a bird. Well, I I have great news. Yes. The Ohio State football Buckeyes will be in Nebraska that weekend. Oh, at Cornhuskers. Yeah, that's great. Nice. Out of town, so you don't have that. You don't have that. The Columbus crew. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're all by the. They're a little bit further away. Yeah, they are. I know that for Dira. I know that for dealers, there's uh, several seminars that we're welcome to participate in. We have done these in the past, actually. I usually bring our crew down because these uh, seminars are actually quite good. And uh, if you do, if you are a dealer and you want to go and get some free information, these are courses that normally cost two hundred and fifty to thousand dollars a piece, and these are put on for free mm-hmm. um, by people that you should recognize. Uh, a lot of the guys that are there are going to give you great information, and all you have to do is show up. So that's part of AIM. That's pretty cool. The, uh, Could I also mention something else? Sure. So it looks like one of the features is those dealer-to-dealer roundtables, yep. which looks great. So it's like you bring your issue, and then it's like a casual advisory group. It is. That so that's cool. really one of those things where they're going to get together, and we've participated in these before. I get to meet other dealers mm-hmm. that I normally wouldn't hang out with. That, that sounds like a bitch session waiting to happen. It can be. It Somebody's absolutely can. Somebody's got to make be. sure it doesn't, though, because it could be right. so good right. if people don't let it become Usually bad. there's 20% of the people are like, what do we need to do to get millennials to ride bikes? These fucking kids today are so risk-averse, they're not going to ride bikes and fall down and get oh, hurt. Oh, if they give me enough money, I'll tell them exactly what they need to stop doing. What do they need to stop tell doing? Tell us what the bike costs in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that when we go in and right. then we find out whether we're buying a $3,000 bike or a $15,000 right. bike, there's another $1,000 in dealer fees on top of it, we're going to turn around and we're going to go on Craigslist and buy a new bike. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. Did you see Harley's second quarter earnings report? I did. They're down. Oh, yeah. But you know what's up? 
18 to 34. So 18 to 34s are up because they have a program right now that says if you buy a Sportster, regardless of what you pay for said Sportster, we're going to give you all that money back when you trade it in on something that's not a Sportster. So oh, the that's whole thing, like 100% the whole thing. Price. Well, it's the whole thing minus the plus 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 plus. Huh. And honestly, They're the, plus, give you the plus, plus 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 business. Yeah. What I've always appreciated yeah. about your dealership mm -hmm. is that on the card, right. right there, I don't have to ask anybody. Yeah. I don't have to have some guy go and run numbers. Yep. I don't have my credit run mm -hmm. before I find out that I'm actually looking at a thousand dollars more. No, it's twelve hundred at the local Harley dealer. So our local Harley dealer has what's called okay, a freight charge. And the freight charge is twelve hundred actual dollars. Mm. Complete so bullshit. Merit I will uncreate the fucker myself. Merritt and I pretended to be customers at one of our local Harley dealers a couple of years ago. We showed up <laughs> on our motorcycles. We showed up. Well, I've done that more than once. Yes, Sometimes you have. I've gone by myself. Yep, you have. Merritt has been a secret shopper at a lot of different dealerships. <laughs> did you cowboy or did you uh, um, Halloween it up at all? A little fringe on. Little dot approved headband and everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were more spur of the moment. I didn't have time <laughs> to, to dress for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Merritt's gone in and she's done a, a few secret shopper, shopper missions here. Yeah. Because it is interesting to see how the other uh, folks are dealing with lady customers. Mm -hmm. And the other part of it is it's interesting to see how they get to the price, mm -hmm. or if they ever get to the price. Hey, Renee. Um, so it is it is tougher, but what we can tell you is the experience that we had at a couple of, you know, at the one Harley dealer right by our house, mm -hmm. is at first it was very difficult to get somebody to come over and actually approach us and talk to us about the bikes. We, we had planned to go in and show interest in two separate, distinctly different motorcycles. Mm -hmm. And it was very hard for us to get somebody to engage. And then once we got somebody to engage, it was hard to keep them engaged. Hmm. And they parked us for a while. And they they, they dropped us off at a table and No, they dropped off. us off at popcorn. They dropped us off at popcorn. You're exactly right. <laughs> now, did you, notice, did you notice a difference from when you and Phil went and when you went by yourself? Did you get treated any differently? Um, I always felt like I got attention. So if he is explaining that, and we did go, it was like a Sunday afternoon. It was a super busy time. The time I'm recalling that. It like, was the time what I anticipated would be the time that it would be shooting fish in a barrel. And the way that we presented ourselves, we were literally the fish in the barrel, what needed shot. <laughs> like he could have sold us a bike so easily, the premise that we'd established. We were people that walked in with motorcycle endorsements. We were people that walked in on motorcycles. Right. And I think I was riding my Buell and you were riding your SV, right? Yeah. So we were V-twin riders right, already. Right, 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 right. With a penchant for, you know, V-twin torque monsters. And we showed up. We weren't going to buy anything. What's that? He just knew we weren't going to buy anything. That in young there. salesperson you had no That's idea. Right. That young salesperson had no That's idea. That's true. They had, like, no product knowledge. I'm they the, had no product knowledge. I'm the guy that goes right. to, like, look at yeah. a car or a motorcycle, like, wearing the same shoes I just wore to, like, clean my chicken coop. Sure. So, like, when I was selling cars, I never qualified anybody. Yeah. And it paid off for me in a way it didn't pay off for other salespeople. Right. So... I don't know. I'm definitely from the never qualify a buyer school right. of thought. Right. Oh, and we were in a position where I think we we should have been pre-qualified the second we walked in, but it took us a lot of effort to get a higher ranking salesperson <laughs> to come over and give us the attention that we had been abandoned by our low ranking salesperson. That's so weird. Yeah. I do. Th I think that Cam's point though about mm -hmm. um, the younger buyers not really having tolerance for the long-standing 
yeah. baloney way yeah. that dealerships have totally disrespected people in how they've handled them and then backroom shenanigan the money. Right. I think that is a huge lesson um, for dealers to learn and, and folks who do you know, handle something yeah. straightforward in a respectful way. Yeah, are going mean, to make the right profit, and it's going to be it's going to be good for everybody. Do you also though for younger kids? Do you feel that like they'd like to walk in because like somebody explained this to me recently that anybody that's between thirty and twenty right now they don't deal with how much stuff costs. They deal with how much a month, a month is it? A month mm -hmm. it costs. But yeah. I mean, like you can get a fairly good idea of what something costs. I li I would like to think our public school system has prepared us that if you can if you've run the numbers on a few different price ranges of stuff you have a vague idea of what something costs a month or what you want it to cost you have kind of an idea of what you can afford and that's where the extra thousand dollars kicking in because we're not talking a forty thousand dollar car right. right we're talking at the most a fifteen thousand dollar motorcycle a thousand dollars like we're aware that there's sales tax on right. top of that but like your shipping fee like, like having a twelve hundred dollar destination charge on top of other charges yeah i'm turning around and walking out because here's the thing this is america we don't ride motorcycles because we have to we right. ride bikes because we want to especially in this climate mm -hmm. yeah right so i don't want to buy a motorcycle the same way i'm, I'm buying a car yeah like I want, like I'm in a motorcycle dealership because I want to be there and I want to have a good time and I know it's going to cost me a lot of money, but like at the same time, like I'm not. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about buying a car? Do they do the same thing where they, uh, okay, you're dealing with your sales guy. Right. Now you've decided you want to buy the car. Now we have to, now have we bring to go in over. The sales manager. Now we have yeah. to go over here and you meet yeah. with the finance slash guy who's going to try to sell you a lifetime warranty and sure. try to plus the plus plus the plus guy. guy, man. Yep, that F and I do. That's why places I think like Carvana and yeah. some of the other like people mm -hmm. can find out what they need to know about cars or bikes online. Better, you know, they're going to be more educated than people who desert you or don't know the product yeah. on the sales floor anyway. That's true. And then you know what you're paying. And mm -hmm. I think I think it's just going to demand a kind of straightforward honesty that has yeah. not been needed in the past. And I think I think it's a difficult time, but that in the end, those who survive will will be doing. And will I think be people are like like getting the wrong parts of sale like people are committing the wrong parts of sales to memory like i watched it happen the last time we were at a local motorcycle mm -hmm. dealership and beth was looking at i wanted her to sit on a z125 and a uh a monkey sure good I, comparison yeah yeah very good and, and i knew she, she likes, i knew she yeah. liked the monkey but right. like i have a friend that like if he rode suichiro hondo's dick any harder <laughs> anyways sorry merit uh, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, but like, so I don't want her to like the Honda more, but I'm prepared for the fact that mm -hmm. she's probably gonna like the Honda more because the monkey is a super cool bike. Fuck yeah, it's an awesome bike. Like yeah. realistically, I like sitting on that better than I like sitting on the. No, dude, it's a, it's not a comparison. The monkey looks like a motorcycle. The thing looks like a transformer with bad yeah, angles. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's so. Anyways, like he's trying, she likes the monkey because it's small and it's light and both right. of her feet touch the ground and to her it feels Bethany sized. Right. And he's trying to show her boulevards when Holy she already decided, shit. like the S40 boulevards, yeah. the small ones, yeah. when she already decided that she didn't like the TU 250 I yeah. saw which I don't know what size person is supposed to fit on a TU 250, right. but it's not me. I don't think it's any of us at this table. Somewhere there is some like five foot seven and three quarters, yeah. hundred and forty pound person yes. that like the TU two hundred and fifty is I'm the perfect convinced. bike for them. Well, and I'm convinced actually, Merit like is Italy. Merit is probably the TU two hundred and fifty customer, except for the fact that she's riding six hundreds and eight hundreds yeah. and stuff like that. But we've had a couple of customers who've come into the shop that were either in the MSF program or just got done with the MSF program, 
and they came in and they're like, yeah, I'm looking for a bike. I don't want a cruiser. I don't want a crotch rocket. I don't know what will fit me. And I want something that's classic. And I said, well, you're in the MSF program. They have TU-250s there. So when you go back to class tomorrow, ignore the Rebel they keep putting you on and go get the TU-250. Get there a half an hour early and get the TU-250 and ride it around and see if you like it. And they all say they love it. Go ahead, John. Well, I'm just, uh, I'm probably biased a little bit because I've been riding my ascot. You yep. said that nice weather. I've actually, been, this whole week, I've been trying to ride to work. Yeah. I've been cool. like, wow, I actually ride motorcycles now. <laughs> but <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, they, they're selling all the 250s, the CBR 250s. Right. I'm like, they needed, like, the 500 market. Like, mm -hmm. what? You're wasting a little bit. A 500 is not really that much bigger or no. more unwieldy or that much not crazier. At all. But it's a lot more capable. Like on the highway. Yeah, the older like I get, the more I realize the EX five hundred Ninja is probably like the perfect motorcycle for and they everything. Have this, the new CB five hundreds, but like a classic styled, you know, like CBR five. Right. You know, like that that same motor, single sure. cylinder five hundred. If Kawasaki built a Z four hundred RS, there's one parked right there. They wouldn't be able yeah. to like the the way they do the Z nine hundred RS. Yeah. Even if it was like the same deal, it's yeah. like it's a little bit nicer. Mm -hmm. It's a thousand dollars more, but it right. looks like a motorcycle. Yes. And I was writing about that in like one of the Harley articles. Yeah. Like Harley's saving grace amongst millennials right. is that they look like motorcycles. Right. Yeah. And with a Harley, you do honestly, when you get a Harley, you look at it, you know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. You have an instant comprehension for what the things are and what the things do. And you get self-canceling turn signals. Well. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> um, I will also introduce you to my less than four-year-old Road King Police Edition that gets apparently self-discharging voltage regulator as well. Oh, so that's a little disturbing when your motorcycle has less than seven thousand miles on it, and you got to plug it in the Optimate every single night because some days your voltage regulator works and some days it doesn't. You know. So there's pluses and minuses, but in that $23,000 motorcycle I'm riding, you'd think that the voltage regulator would last longer than 6,200 miles. I don't jump yeah. to Harley today. But <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, in your job, you see a lot of brand was, new Harley Davidsons. This was Tim, the new guy. Oh, Harley's really? Bike, and you mentioned tassels. Yeah. He got punked on all day because he's got tassels all over. <laughs> but he does leather work, and I knew all this. Oh. And I knew he was, he taught, he's like, you, I rode my bike in the other day, and he's like, I'm going to ride my bike in. I'm like, yeah. He's like, ride your bike. I'm like, I'm going to ride my and bike. And so he rode his bike in. So he rode his bike And in. his bike is a Harley Davidson. Heritage, classic. Softail, whatever, right. Yeah. whatever. Okay, right. Really nice bike. Beautiful and everything. But and because he, he does leather work, it's ready for the red fair. So he's got the straps. Yeah. And this, he's got the tassels. Yeah. He's got floorboards are tasseled. Everything's tasseled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the only thing that should be tasseled isn't tasseled. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> so just to finish up like really quick yeah. on that point, though, it's like yeah. you would have thought that a guy my age at yeah. a motorcycle dealership would understand mm -hmm. Better than anybody, especially right. a Honda Yamaha Kawasuki. We sell everything dealer. Sure, mm -hmm. yeah. but they would understand better than anybody that somebody that is looking at a bike yeah. with a 13 inch or a 12 inch wheel right. has zero interest yeah. in any normal you're size motorcycle. You're a fetishist. So when you're yeah. telling that person, right. that first time motorcycle buyer that has decided to get on a bigger motorcycle because they're going to be scared of traffic on a right. small motorcycle, do you yeah. know what they're going to do? Yeah. They're not going to ride a fucking motorcycle no. at all. They're going to shut down. I had to talk Beth back into the idea of getting on a motorcycle after we left that all dealership. All because that dude wanted to sell a Savage. 
yeah, because you wanted to sell a set. Like I understood yeah. his logic. Right. I would say, but a lot you of don't buy motorcycles on logic no, in America. No, you don't. I'd say a lot of things about millennials, but. I would say, yeah, skepticism right. and stuff like that. They yeah. got that. They got that. Yeah, they do yeah, got they're, that. They're, they're critical right. yeah, thinkers. Yeah, because it's all they're, here. When you tell hack, me something, I'm always the looking first for thing a hack. I'm, do I'm always looking for an end around. I'm looking for right. a better deal. They're used to shopping on Amazon sure. stuff, where I can look here and I can look there. So that's healthy well, in the millennial yeah. crowd. And that does hurt dealers a little bit because, Good. like, well, well, they can't. I am. I'm of the camp. Look, I'm a fucking. I'm the guy that says this whole system. We're sitting in a dealership. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you, this system's broken. This whole system the is broken. The traditional dealership model. The traditional say, dealership yeah. model is a fucking joke. But remember we were talking yeah. kind of the other week yeah. about, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, about kind of um, how Moto Guzzi shot themselves in the foot in the they U.S. They did, absolutely. When you had millennials that right. wanted Moto Guzzi's, the absolutely. people that were the tastemakers, yep. or the people that think were the tastemakers, right? Well, Influencers? Yeah. Influencers. Yeah. Well, hey, look, <laughs> look, a 25-year-old dude on a Moto Guzzi is going to get more people to appreciate the, the Gucci than this 50-year-old dude on a Moto Gucci. Well, every, right? what I'm saying Just about tastemakers is that every millennial yeah. motorcycle journalist, of yeah. the ones that I know, there's like 75% yeah. of them either have a Moto Gucci or wish they could afford a Moto right. Gucci. That's true. So, I mean, like, that's, it doesn't get any better than that. Right. How bad do you have to fuck up right. to ruin that in this market when the only problem everybody's talking about is how do we get millennials on motorcycles? Right. I don't I don't understand how you can screw that up that badly. But my point is is like when I go on Cycle Trader and I see there's a dealer on Florida, mm -hmm. in Florida that just buys like I'm hot on Z125s right. right now, right? They must buy dozens and dozens of these because yeah. they're listing them at 2200 bucks. Correct. Which means that with all their stupid bullshit fees, right. it actually costs what it says on Kawasaki's website. Exactly. Right. So, I understand that they get a ton of them, but in the same vein, I'm like, how come I can't get that price at my dealer up the street? Be, and that's and you're exactly right. But there's other people that don't understand the market that are right. going to go try to pull that at the dealership and, and say, "Why can't you sell me this bike for twenty two hundred plus your stupid bullshit?" And that's always going to be. There will always be fetishists. Okay, if you want a kale, uh, if you want a versus six fifty, what's the dealership in Cleveland that you can go to and see the most versus six fifties? Oh, it looks like I'm in it. It's here. You're yeah. here. And if you want a Multistrada, you're sitting in the best dealership to go look at Multistradas because we have more Multistradas than, you know, we just lost our Ducati dealership. And so if you're into these fetishy bikes or you're into something of a particular vein, it's really good to get on the phone and, you know, use your Google and call a bunch of places and say, hey, have you got TU250s I can sit on? Have you got, you know, uh, Z125 Pros I can sit on? Because that's what we've learned is the dealership, the standard dealership model is so broken. With Suzuki, nobody's telling any Suzuki dealer to sell the bikes for a given price. There's no map pricing. It's race yourselves to the bottom. It's good luck, pal. These are your bikes. If you lose money, you lose money. I hope you make it back up on the F&I. I hope you do the service contracts and I hope you do the floor mats and the extra wax and the antibacterial <laughs> foam spray and all that other shit to get your money back out of the deal because you are all racing each other to the bottom. So we got on this topic because we were talking about the AIM show and yeah. the dealer-to-dealer -dealer roundtable discussions and yeah. sort of what would be. So if you, like, what are you hoping this year to either learn or what do you think you can offer at one of The those? biggest thing I think that people need, that I when I'm going to go to a dealer training seminar, I don't want to see all the things we've seen before. We have understood about... Uh, 
customer service management. We've understood about retaining our customers. We've understood about sending them contacts and you know reaching out to them over and over and over and over again. Which honestly, who here sitting here loves to get an email from their dealer once every two weeks? Nobody yeah. fucking loves that shit. That's dead. Look, but what I am interested in is when you see stuff that, you know, I love it that the second seminar is capturing the millennial market. You know, come on, man. You're like that is the toughest thing in the world. Uh, however, what I do see is when people are talking about a gross profit thing, and that is, you know, building yourself a deal that your dealership can stay in business with. Right now, the tragedy is a vast number of motorcycle dealerships are going out of business. Mm -hmm. Braley Yamaha is gone. Mm -hmm. Northern Ohio Ducati is gone. Um, All Seasons is gone. These are many, many powerful dealerships that have been here for 40 or 50 years that have all died. Cleveland, Akron, Honda, you know, uh, that was European Motorsports Connection. They died. And there's a wisdom, I mean, aside from the business side of it, there's like a wisdom and a passion and a true long-term love of motorcycling that's that's less accessible for entry-level people who don't know aren't Mm -hmm. in that network already and that is that that is truly a sad thing and when i look at the schedule and i see that like a block of instruction is called the human factor increasing profitability and performance in f and i through customer interaction it's not the human what i can tell you is that is not the human factor that is a predatory technique stop selling motorcycles like you're selling cars exactly if you sell me the bike at a price that we're both happy with and you don't fuck me over right guess where i'm gonna go when i decide i want lower handlebars guess where i'm gonna go when i decide i don't want to do the valve adjustment myself i'm gonna go where i bought the bike because they didn't they help help me, me love the bike more and then help me love you as a dealership exactly and we'll we'll come up with a price but that's the difference like like you have guys like you that are a motorcyclist that you know like even as much as the business is grinding you still you can tell that you like it and you have your information yeah we I worked it. for Cleveland Akron back in the right. day for Rick Saltzman yeah. and then also North Shore Yamaha when he did that and that guy was a businessman that was like here's a niche that I'm going to because I needed it and he and like he didn't have that he didn't no, he was he selling widgets yeah, he yeah. didn't give a shit what it was right. or anything, and they, he lost so many customers, and that's why he's been gone for right. 10 and years. And we're trying to reestablish ourselves. We're trying to refocus our stuff. What we've learned is jackets and gloves, it's a fucking... No, everybody I know, raise your hand at this table if you've ever bought a jacket online. Okay? Once. Enough said. Exactly. Okay? Enough said. If you've bought a jacket online, that's why we used to sell... 900 jackets a year, and now we sell 46 jackets a year. So that's a hell of a change. And we used to sell 900 helmets a year, and now we sell 112 helmets a year. And that's that's part of the market we're never gonna get back. And that's true. Plus, we have to be careful about running our business. If it takes us two hours to sell somebody a helmet that we make $35 profit on, yeah. we are walking backwards. Jeff Bezos yeah. is worth 300 billion dollars. Wow. Yeah. Keith, were you going to say something before? I was just thinking about like, look at what's happening in the automotive industry where there used to be like a mom and pop, Ford dealer, Chevy dealer, whatever, at the end of the street, in every city, mm-hmm. whatever the size of the town was. But it was a guy that lived in the neighborhood right. that owned that thing. And now every automotive dealer right. 
is Come a big conglomerate. Yeah, big you know, in the Cleveland yeah. area, you got Ganley, you got Spitzer, you got... Same thing that happened to if, if the head of the dealership network comes up to you in the service bay and gives you his business card, it's like meeting a celebrity. Yeah. but It's so not like meeting the guy in your neighborhood that runs the store. I think motorcycle shops are going the same way, and I think you're bucking the trend because you are a neighborhood shop here. But look at... Um, the big dealerships down on 71 in Medina. I yep. won't mention Rick the Rush name. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't but matter. it is the what you call it, the Yamazuki. Yeah, happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Box but you lose the personal touch with the customers. Like if a guy comes in here and wants to talk about a specific motorcycle that he saw online that Phil happened to have, right. he's going to talk to Phil about it if he wants to. There's four people in the shop. You right. know? If you go to one of these other big dealerships, it's a conglomerate that's taken hundreds of bikes on trade and they they got every line of every don't it depends ask, on what, what yeah. current salesperson's working that yeah day. well and don't ask the guy at cycle gear about the specifications of your Senna headset or whether you should go with the you know the built helmet of harbor freight or you should go with the you know bell helmet that's not from harbor freight like those associates there are truly minimum wage employees that may have some passing love of motorcycles may or may not that's great. However, the training is not there. They don't have a rep coming in and saying, okay guys, we need to take an hour of your time to tell you why this thing is important and you need to know about it. And that is one of the things that we find is really different in the very few remaining mom and pop shops. So that's a weird thing. And I would never, I would be the first one to tell anyone, our business model is a failing business model. Everything that we've done to keep this shop open for the past like 18 years, has been purely shoestring, tooth and nail, vicious, vicious cutting it to the bone. I mean, we cut corners on shit you can't imagine so that we can stay open and we can keep people fed. Yeah, the motorcycle industry is a fucking bad business model. It really, really is. And anybody who would get into it, anybody who would do it, is a damned idiot if you look at the spreadsheets and you look at the numbers. Another good example would be like mom and pop hardware stores. Yeah. So Home Depot comes in, Lowe's comes in, yeah. Menards comes in, and all those mom and pop hardware stores die. So how and do then, you do it like Ace does it, where they're like in between with the best aspects of both? Here's Maybe why. because they're offering personal service. Right. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're offering the personal one. service, and they have a little bit of everything. Yep. But the, yeah, and there's always a guy there. What keeps me from buying online is if I know I can go someplace and right. someone can tell me. But I can tell you, when I buy stuff at Ace, what I do know for a fact is that a lot of the stuff they sell is a extraordinarily tiny, tiny, tiny priced yeah. item, an item that costs them 48 cents, and you pay $7 for it. So they're keystoning 80% of their store. It's the nuts and bolts and shit they're losing their ass on, okay? Except for when you buy them onesie twosies, which is what every American does, is you go and you're like, I need four of these. So you need four bolts, but they're $1.86 a piece. It's $1.86 for a thousand of those bolts, but they're selling them to you for $1.86 a piece. That's how Ace stays in business. They don't stay in business on the giant box, big box items like Home Depot does. Home Depot stays in business on washing machines. They stay in business on lawnmowers. They stay in business on everything that you see. If it takes up square footage at Home Depot, it takes up square footage there because it's making buku profit. Because square footage in that ridiculous 30,000 square foot building is valuable. It's a really weird thing and that's that the Ace Hardware Store is a really good analogy of like how do you survive 
when there's a Home Depot or a Lowe's in your town, or maybe a Home Depot across the street from Lowe's. And Ace, you survive because Ace isn't next to Home Depot. It's not next to Lowe's. Ace is on the other side of town. If you look at the town you live in, Home Depot and Lowe's are over there, mm. and Ace is over there. And you go into Ace for like a $30 bag of shit. You go into Home Depot for a $300 bag of shit. I like going to Lakewood Hardware yeah. because, and what differentiates them yep. is they always have a little something different than yeah. the big box store. Oh, uh, we They've like got like, the old yeah. classics and yeah. stuff like that. And like, they'll oh, teach you how to fix your floor while you're there. They don't have 20 different sprinklers, but yeah. they have that one good, good quality sprinkler, sprinkler right. that like, yeah. oh, this is the last sprinkler you're oh, ever going to buy. Case in point, those ice scrapers last yeah. year, right. the, the yeah. brass-edged ice scrapers. Yeah. And I mean, that's an excellent point about So you might be paying a premium price, but they're also nice, and there's a catwalk walking around yeah. and you're in an old school you know it's just Lakewood an, ex- hardware, it's an experience right. Lakewood hardware is an experience and Lakewood hardware you are you're exactly right Ace still is going to sell you the super high markup the super high like buy it low sell it high item they're going to sell it to you every single time now the Lakewood hardware is going to give you that full experience here's a good thing about Lakewood hardware though yeah. too after Home Depot came in and killed off all the mom and pop right. shops there was a backlash that he came in and opened that shop right after everyone else went, after out, of business. Else went out of business. Absolutely. And Home Depot was well established. Right. And he's, I don't know if you'd say he's thriving. I, I, I don't know what his numbers are, right. but he seems to be doing a good business. Well, and he well take a window into, right. into Lowe's and right. tell him you want him to put a new paint in it and right. reglaze it for you. Right. Mm. No. Exactly. Whereas if you go into Lakewood. Take a screen. Take your screen in. Old, you know, oh, can Lakewood you hardware screen? is every landlord's <clears throat> best friend. Yes. Yeah. Go into Home Depot and ask them why the mower you bought four years ago or the grill that you bought four years ago isn't working quite as well as it used to, and see what happens. It's, they're going to sell you a new one. They can't do anything. Um, back onto the weird topic of motorcycles, as strange <laughs> as that might be, um, our favorite purveyor of flash uh, photography and flash magazine production, Cycle World. Yes, that's right. It comes out now what? Is it quarterly? Is it biannually? Cycle World, if you still get Cycle World, that thing shows up. It is like a county phone book. <laughs> it's thick. It's heavy. It's well produced. Um, it's high art in the form of a motorcycle magazine. And uh, I just happened you know to. What an- they've done. They've top geared it. They have top geared mm-hmm. it. They have. It's they said. Beautiful. They have said, we are not just going to be a magazine anymore. We're going to come out less frequently, but we're going to come out better. My subscription's currently expired. I got to wait till Piper goes back to school and has some magazine subscription. <laughs> so, from a millennial perspective, magazines yeah. aren't something you buy at the gas station no. or the grocery no, store as an impulse buy anymore. Yeah. A magazine is like having something that you can hold in your hands when I'm yeah. reading motorcycle sites and oh, blogs right. and cyclewheel.com all the time. You're taking a crap. You need something that you can hold in your hand. No, that's it's, also it's true. It's called a phone. Well, yeah, so that's right. Yeah. But that's gross. When you're um, that's gross. When you get a magazine, like it's something special. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think Cycle World absolutely went the right way. The uh, Cycle World's latest shootout is something I think everybody here can get behind. It's the new Kawasaki W six W eight hundred. Okay. So it's the new gentleman's twin. Mm-hmm. It's a big fucking W eight hundred. It's a good looking bike. Yeah, it is. And you know what they're shooting it out against? Hmm. Anyone like to guess? Hmm. Not the genuine. C900 RS? No. The cafe, the Kawasaki cafe. No, no, I'm going to say it's pretty exotic. They're shooting it out against the Royal Enfield 650. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that got your fucking oh, attention wait, all of a sudden. Oh, wait, there's more. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. 
Um, Thank you. So yeah, the Psycho World Shootout, and I do recommend anybody, you know, whether you have to steal it from your local newsstand if you don't have a subscription, or go to your friend's house and go to their bathroom and read it, uh, whatever it is you're going to do, uh, that shootout between the the, the the well, you know, it's been available in Europe for a while. Their W800. Uh, we're just kind of getting it now, and it's a really, I mean, it's a really really good, cool looking bike. I mean, we enjoy. Are we posing for our? Our, our photo of our group. There you go. Yeah, get everybody. Well, get in, get in tight, people. Come on. This is this is high video art we're doing. I'm getting reflections, all kinds of bad. I don't things. know where that reflection is coming your screen. from. That's oh, it's probably oh, my screen, screen broken. Oh, I think it's your screen <laughs> broken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. I can't yeah. do it. Mine's broken. Oh, where? Do you want to use my phone? Yeah, all right. So the. Uh, don't you have a drone or something that you could just fly? Like, yeah, I was gonna I, say. I usually he's kind of the guy that has drones. Yeah. So the W800. Everything about the W800 that we've seen so far, I've really dug it. I thought it was a really beautiful bike. I, I dig the hell out of it. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Thank you, Cam. Uh, look up the screen. We got W800 oh, up there. Yeah. It's brown, too. It's I brown. Love it. Right. Oh. It's, yeah, it's very oh. hipster friendly in a, a beautiful like, shade of blue. And like it's like a parallel twin, which is the is best a, sounding motorcycle. Look at the tank, too. It looks like the Weezer symbol. It sure does look like the Weezer. Why did you have to ruin that bike for me? <laughs> Throw it in there for you. It does. It comes That's with a the. Nice looking motorcycle. It's a nice looking motorcycle, right? You got the pipes right. It's, it's reminiscent of it. Yeah, you got it's got a little bubble fairing there. It's got a little bubble fairing on it. There's nothing wrong with the W800. I mean, it's it's really cool. I mean, I'm a fan of the old W650. Um, when they brought that thing out, like in 91 or 90, whenever the hell they brought that, uh, your choice of blue or green, um, I liked that bike. I really did. Uh, what's, you know, what don't, what's not to love? It's got a slipper clutch, you know? Okay. Um, apparently, though, what it has... Well, it may be lacking a couple of items. And apparently where it fails to pick up the pace, the Royal Enfield 650 does. And that's a really weird thing because it's a much smaller motorcycle. I mean, it's a much smaller by kind of every dimension motorcycle. And that's the interesting thing about this this new Interceptor. Man, what a name. Interceptor, I right? ride an Interceptor. You oh. ride an Interceptor. I don't ride oh. a letter, letter, number, number. Right. I For, ride an Interceptor. Right. Yeah, well, that kinda, just makes me think Honda. Yeah, right. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a classic <laughs> Honda bike. You can't just say, well, eventually you run out of names. you got to recycle them, okay? Yeah. That's true, too. <laughs> well, yep, they that had the Interceptor way, way before Honda. You know, yes, they did. So uh, the interceptor for Royal Enfield goes really way, that. way back, and I mean it really does go way, way back. Um, however, the displacement was a little different. So the the original interceptors were the 700 interceptors. Um, it was a bit of a different thing. But if you're going to use it, you want to use the name Constellation. That's great. You want to use the name Interceptor. That's great. Those are all names that Royal Enfield got famous with. But here's the thing that I found really interesting. Um, the Royal Enfield, near as we can tell, is about 6500 bucks, And the W800, that we can tell, is near as we can tell, about 10000 bucks. Well, there's a lot of bucks in between those two numbers. Mm -hmm. There's about 3400 of them. There's an entire motorcycle. There is. If you're good with Craigslist, like yeah, six motorcycles. <laughs> and whereas the W800 has the baloney mufflers, yeah. these have the nice reverse megaphone. You know, the other one's got the, the true, you know, 
Ho purely horizontal baloney mufflers. These have a nice upswept megaphone that I the think Royal is... Enfield has the mufflers that every hipster is going to buy to yes. put on their. You're WWE exactly right. right. Royal Enfield has ten pounds of Lincoln welding rods in the frame too. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so <laughs> they can't they can't depart from everything. Right, exactly. So the 750, you know, our 750 interceptor, be damned. Uh, you know, that was a bike out of the early 60s and. Good for them for using, you know, the the name. When the uh, Continental, you guys might remember, we sold a few of those Continental GTs, the 535s. That bike, the motor looked real small in the frame because that Continental GT uh, 535, that motor was, that frame was actually meant to have this motor in it. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't get the motor together in time. So uh, thanks to uh, Emma at the cat at the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast for bringing that to my attention and making me look that up. So good job, Emma. Uh, so yeah, looking at this motorcycle, it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's got these fake. I can't even pronounce that word. <laughs> Is it Bybri? B Y B R E. No, that says Brembo. Oh, it says Brembo. If That's you right. Reorganize in, the letters. It's written in Indian. Bybri. Yeah, it's written in Sanskrit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. That uh, has twin pod calipers. Wow. Yeah, I know. Really cutting edge technology. One of them's a dummy. There's only one. It's a single pot. Well, but what the interesting thing is, in the Cycle World Review, it really did say that the Enfield did brake better. So the Enfield, which is India, or like I like to say, India, it stopped better than the Kawasaki. And it went better than the Kawasaki. And the well, interesting thing, too, is that, you know, on the uh, Enfield, you're going to see Pirelli tires. And on the W850 or W800 from uh, Kawasaki, they put bias ply tires on there. Mm. So a lot of complaints were had about the, the the frame and the tires and the bike like wanting to go offline. If you look at the radius of that brake, this yeah. brake, it's I a mean, pretty big brake. Well, it's only single side. That's so going to chew through. Big. Yeah. Pads. Like oh, of course it is. Yeah, your pads aren't going to last very long when you've got a 14-inch radius single front disc brake that also doesn't have a hell of a lot of surface area. It's not big front to back. Yeah. So, but I do think it's a, a good looking bike. And, you know, we have had our fucking share of problems with Royal Enfield. And considering watching a Royal Enfield sit there and idle and watching the front forks wave at you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> having that much braking capacity on yeah. those <laughs> right. yeah. less than stiffs. No, we've always found that our previous 500cc and 535 Royal Enfields that we dealt with we found that they were not a good bike at 80 plus miles per hour. They were always tragic. And uh, this one though appears to be the business. Uh, I gotta give them credit. I always felt gearing was partially responsible. They were, they were the Enfields were geared like a tractor. Like, right. if yeah. you were gonna ride on old, you know. Oh, it might have something to do with the 23 pound flywheel? Oh, and then there's that. Right, <laughs> so yeah. as the beautiful part of a 23 pound flywheel is it likes to keep moving. Yeah. The sad part about a 23-pound fly, flywheel is you need to get it moving. Yeah. Right. And when all of your horsepower is going to rotating a flywheel, you're going to notice it's got 42 and a half horsepower. Uh, and it's got 42 and a half horsepower, and it's got about a 37-ish. So three horsepower pound less than torque. a CX500. Yep. And its number, its torque numbers aren't great either when you compare them to like a Moto Guzzi. So when you compare the torque numbers on this bad boy to a Moto Guzzi V7. Uh, this thing really doesn't look great. 
Um, it really doesn't. I mean, I know the V7's got 100 cc's on it, but... But that's know. not why you're buying this. No, it's not. Yeah. You're buying this bike because of how it fucking looks. Let's just say it what it is. And I'm okay with and that. And what it costs. You're buying this bike because for $6,500, you couldn't build this motherfucker. If you tried to start with any... Let's... Hey, let's be cheap. Let's call it a Yamaha XS650. If you started with a Yamaha XS650, circa Minus 19... Red cam. Okay. Yeah, not, circa 1981, right? Could you build it for 6500 from no the ground can. up? Because I've got one on my showroom right over there. If you think you can, one of our customers did the Maikunis. Mm -hmm. He did everything right to build an XS650 in 81. It's a decent-looking bike. Yeah. It's a nice riding bike. I can tell you it does not have injection of fuel. No, it does not. Which but this gives does. a serious problem in your This book. does. And this has really good injection of fuel. And I just want to know how we can steal that and put it on an XS. <laughs> what what, kind, of, what kind of fuel injection is the uh, Royal Enfield using? Um, I believe it has the... Uh, is, it like, is it the Kian, like the 500s? It probably has the Kian. So here, you can help me, Pete. So when you say what kind, yeah. what do you think the options are? Like, what, what's the oh, menu? Oh, I'm boxed all the way. Right. Now, that, and that's yeah. exactly but, it. So, like, but, so you're saying, like, what brand? When yes, you say correct. what kind, yes. Is that thing brand? doing a wheelie? It is doing a wheelie. Hell, yeah. Well, it I is doing you do a wheelie. wheelie on the 500. So right. that, that. Oh, and by the way, I want you to look at the price point. Oh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, so fifty seven yep. ninety nine for solid colors. Home run. Okay. Absolutely. 6500 with the full chrome. 6500 for the chrome on chrome on chrome on chrome on chrome. Back Wait, to it. But oh, what sorry. can I buy for $5,700? What I, can you buy? A transformer looking naked bike? DR650. Right. You can buy a DR650, absolutely. Can I, I buy it. a CBR500? Are you only talking about new stuff or? You have to go new against new. Yeah. Okay. If you're you play buy the game, a, you okay. got to play a new CB against 500. You can get the F, the R, or the no, F. No, I said CBR, the, the adventure okay. one. There's yeah. the, the there's three of them. Yep. There's so a naked bike. There's those a are fuel injected. The F, the R, and the X, right? Yep. Well, I don't know what the price is on those, but I they're thought in that, they're, uh, in the about, they're about the same ballpark. They're in the same part. Yep. And that's a good point, but I will say, horsepower-wise, this thing's got about four horsepower on your CBR 500 your twin, your parallel twin fuel injected liquid cooled uh, motorcycle. So no, those are forty seven. Yeah, they're forty seven. Are they yeah. forty seven horsepowers? Yeah. The so it's winning. Yeah. Will so this winning. rev to ten thousand RPM? I don't think nobody so. cares. No, no, I don't. Think <laughs> I it so it will, it will, but just watch. Just watch. What you said about the horsepower yeah. thing, about like how anybody's <laughs> buying it doesn't care. It doesn't. Like from from my perspective, from a from a millennial perspective, yeah. and I mean like dead center of what that generation represents. I was born in late '88. I'm questioning your millennialness because you. you, see, you but okay. None of okay, us he's a millennial, but he also rides a Sportster, drives an F-150, and writes articles about Harley Davidson. Yeah. So not your traditional millennial. Right. So nobody in my generation really grew up with truly awful motorcycles. Like the kind of <laughs> motorcycles that you would buy and they wouldn't work. Like you would spend money for That's it. True. That's and true. And it wouldn't work. Right. So for... You've never suffered the horrors of The only of unreliable yeah. motorcycles we've dealt with were the $750 buck of CC CB 750s that our generation were The running. late ones, yeah. 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 You guys you know, are buying like mid-80s shit. Over it. All yeah. we care over about it. is, is it fuel injected? Because the right. carbureted UJM I own didn't work because it was old. Right. Exactly. But I want a bike that looks old. And 
there, to, to us, there's no concept of a motorcycle not doing a motorcycle stuff. Right. <laughs> like every motorcycle is going to start. You're right. going to be able to get on it. You're going to be able to ride it. You're going to be able to ride it, you know, to the coffee shop and back with your backpack on so you can get on your laptop and look you know, no like you're doing important things. Yeah, there's no downside to motorcycling. The idea of Ooh. buying a bike that like, so in that same vein though, because every motorcycle works, you'd think that there'd be a lot more emphasis on performance, but when we're surrounded by really good bikes that just happen to be kind of unfortunate looking. All we care about is what it All looks we care like. about is what it looks like. That's true. Because yeah. if you're on a motorcycle, it's better than, if you're the kind of person that cares about a motorcycle, you probably care how much horsepower your car has, right. you're a lot less likely to care about how much horsepower your bike has. Because yeah. when you're on your bike, you're on a bike. Right. That is the destination. That does look pretty nice. It looks great, dude. They fucking... Okay, so... I love that overhead shot of it, too. Yeah. The, the seat's a little wonky. I don't I'm like, I can't well, get my head I around What's your problem with Diamond Stitch, pal? No, Diamond Stitch is <laughs> right. Diamond Stitch, it's, it's, that's quilted. It's long. Oh, it is quilted. It's, that's yeah. the quicker picker up right <laughs> <laughs> They made that so I'm three people you. can ride it. Well, well, it's the shape of it. It, it. It's not, like, flat on the top, but it's not really, like, curved. Guys, I will it. tell you, if you, if you want to see how you can fuck up a soup sandwich, uh, that bike has everything that our eye is trained to look for. And if you look at our 2013 or whatever it is, Triumph Bonneville we have over there, the Triumph Bonneville Black, mm -hmm. with its 17 inch rims and its lower, more friendly seat height, I look at that Bonneville and I just go, oh, what fucking happened? Like, who did you piss off that came and shortened your legs up for you? And I look at this and this thing, the geometry on this, the numbers look right. Like my eye looks at that and goes, yep, there, I'd ride that. There's you a know. little space in between the back tire, you know. There yeah, is, exactly. That is not, what, most importantly, that is not an intimidating looking bike. That bike looks cool. You that think you're going to look cool it on it, it looks but like it doesn't look bike, intimidating. Right? It does look like a bike uh, should I mean, look. Some people have no look problem. Cool no matter what. But that right. seat, it looks like you could take the rear yeah, pegs off I mean, and put floorboards and ride three, four people. It doesn't have an intimidating look to it. I think the idea behind that seat is they wanted the seat to be flat because I've had so many customers in my shop bitch about a seat that has a hump in it. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. Yep. Yeah. Right. And like you're one of I know. Right. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to you're trying to make a seat that doesn't have a hump in it. I like and a these people seat. are giving you a seat with no hump in it. I can slam my nuts up on the tank you know what, or I can slide all the way back. Yep. I can I got three nice. or four different seating positions. And no, my problem is I liked everything about the W eight hundred and I really did. Kind of until I saw this Enfield and I was like, you know what? Enfield, for as many times as they screwed the pooch with the Bullet 500 giving us extremely outdated technology that wasn't fit for American speeds and American roads. You look me in the eye and tell me you will never sell Royal Enfields. Well, I... If I got 10000 George again? Washington American again. dollars... I can't say that. <laughs> right? I'm going with the cow shop. I would too. I'm All right. sorry. This yeah. one looks and good, that's the problem. The problem is, as a guy who's Who's known to who has sold a number of Royal Enfields? Okay. I'm sitting here and going, do you know what? Is it worth it to put a Royal Enfield sign back on the door of my shop? Because are these guys from India onto something? Because don't get it in your fucking head that because that bike is from Kawasaki land, that it's actually coming from Kawasaki Japan. Mm -hmm. It's sure. not. It's coming from Thailand. Okay, so we slagged on Royal Enfields for a long time and everything. Yes. How many Royal Enfields are in a box somewhere? A lot. Really? A fucking well, I'm ton. not talking about... What do you pre mean? 
I'm talking about the newer Royal Enfields. Oh, the oh, ones yeah. you sold. Right. How many are in a box? You mean, help me out, John. They they blew up. They blew up, yes. They are junk. Yeah, we have had never run. an absolute disproportionate number of Royal Enfield Bullet 500s fucking meet their maker the way too soon. The new fuel-injected ones. Yep. Way too soon. Scattered. Scattered. Complete fucking top-end failures, complete valve train failures, complete transmission failures. I didn't and, know that. And that's why... I thought they kind of held together. They didn't. Sorry. No, they didn't. And there was a, a, a red Continental GT that sat back here with 600 miles on it. Really? That's the freshest of the fresh, and its gearbox was exploded. So... The GT535 well, is the... They fixed that whole gearbox That was the new the gearbox. The back cut bushings and That's blah, right. Blah, blah. That was their crowning jewel of how good. That was the new factory. The that was new a windage problem. Yes, it was. You need to cut... They had a wall. Yep. Because it's a cassette type, mm -hmm. type thing, and the gear shafts are set high. Set high. They had a wall yep. that was not letting the oil... The oil could not get... The, yep. the, so rather than changing the gears and everything, just Wait, cut a hole in it. Cut that a big fucking, fucking hole in it. And yeah. let the oil spray back on the transmission. Right. Let the oil go where the oil needs to go. And that, when we had all those transmission failures, and when we had this final, like, when we dropped Enfield as a line a couple of years ago, we were bloody well fucking glad to have them gone. We well, were thrilled. Well, the first five bikes you order, you have to replace second, third, and fourth gear. On all of them. <laughs> right, right. That was a big issue for a lot of us. And when we finally had the stink off of us, where somebody came in and said, oh, well... This Enfield I bought at insert name of dealer that I bought it from to save $500. I drove to California or Texas to go buy this fucking thing. Well, guess what? It lunched the top end or it lunched the bottom end or something failed, something tragic. How about they get a 4,000 RPM rev limiter? Well, we were really, yeah, that's <laughs> it. And that would do it, right? Just ride your, just ride your flywheel. And... We were really happy to finally be able to say, I'm sorry, sir, we're no longer an Enfield dealer. We cannot work on that for you. Take it back where you bought it. Take it back to where you bought it. And that's been happening here for about the past three years. We've been saying, take it back to where you bought it. And the problem is, I'm sitting here going, wow. They have a product now that at least at first blush is really nice. The numbers are fantastic. Who was the guy? You, was that that was was that Phil McCaleb or hmm. who was who was the guy who was the Royal Enfield rep? No, that was uh, so the guy that was our Enfield rep is now a park ranger in the uh, Tetons. Good for him. In That's Yellowstone, beautiful. Yeah. So that guy, Kevin, was awesome. Kevin Mahoney was brilliant. Like he was the best representative. He did classic motorcycles and sidecars. Um, he did Royal Enfield, and he did it so well that as a dealer, you felt like you were being supported. Mm -hmm. uh, and he would go and open a crate up and get a part you needed off a bike so that you could get your customer back on the road. He was a true fucking class act. And good for him that he's at, you know, he's in Yellowstone driving people around in a big yellow bus, teach, you know, teaching them about bison and stuff. I'm jealous. Right, exactly. He's moved on to greener pastures literally so good for him when i look at the w800 which is a bike that i absolutely am inclined to like it pisses me off when this bike comes out at its price yeah. and gets its ass handed to it by an enfield but so in all fairness a ten thousand dollar motorcycle these days isn't that big of a deal it's not i mean right that's kind of like 
Low part. That's yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, leader yeah, bikes yeah. used to be twelve thousand bucks. Now they're right. twenty. Six hundred. Yeah. Like the idea that I couldn't save up for a couple of years, like me personally in my current position. Yeah. Right. I'm not embarrassed to say that I couldn't save up for a couple of years and buy a six hundred and not think twice mm-hmm. about it. Oh, I was, that would that. be a I mean, serious decision to buy a six. And it used to be like a 600 sport bike. Like yeah. you got a bonus at work, you go out and buy a 600 sport bike and kill right. yourself. Well, they gave them away, yeah. We used to give them away. Well, the there dealership. it is. There's your W800 right there. No, I mean, that's right off of their so website. So I've seen, I've seen $97.99. So it's $97.99, and they advertise a destination charge of 410 And that means that you read the bucks. extremely tight. It's uh, specifications and pricing are subject to change. Dealer sets the actual destination charge. Your price may vary. So, so it's a $12,000 bike with tax, title, registration, doc fee, prep. Of course it is. And that's why when you do compare the Enfield 650 to the W800 Cafe, and at least according to the folks at Cycle World Magazine, should you believe somebody who is sucking at the teeth of the Bonnier Group, then you have to go. Well, the Enfield, at least in their test, came out on top. You know, that's saying a hell of a lot because there's no reason for a fuel injected bike to not be set up right so it can't hurt itself. Yeah, it's yeah. got an ECU. It's got yeah, engine control management. Right. Like, absolutely right. It's just yeah. a matter of setting setting it up so it can't hurt itself. But I do fall back on: Do I think the metallurgy in that tie built Kawasaki is better than the metallurgy in that Indian built? 650, and I think it is. I think it is too. I think it is. I'll pay, I an, think, extra, I'll pay right. extra three grand to right. wager on that too. Yep. I think that that bike is made of better stuff. And my problem is, I've had too many metal parts on Enfields crumble at four pounds of torque that should have gone to 45 pounds of torque. Fucking kickstands fucking yep. couldn't would fall off. They couldn't support the weight of the bike. Right. So there were a lot of problems with welding. There were a lot of problems with metallurgy that we saw with the Enfield product. And a lot of welds that looked like they were a four-year-old's welding project. They were hand-welded. They were hand-welded. Stick-welded. Yeah, Yeah, they were clearly stick-welded. And so they looked like By four-year-olds. By (laughs) four-year-olds. Exactly. (laughs) So that's one of those ones. So we're looking at that. That's a really interesting conundrum is the Enfield 650 versus the W800 Cafe. It's, It's a very... It's one of the true shootouts that I have enjoyed in the past couple of years because these bikes have the same fucking soul. Like when I'm you sure look at, the W800 will hand that Enfield its lunch on any kind of performance. I thing. guess not though. Really? Really. Yeah, I think I think the yeah. true test is going to be and no magazine's yeah. ever going to do this. Yeah, and that's the problem but is when I read that Cycle World article and I read it four times because I couldn't fucking believe it. <laughs> because you needed a while in the bathroom. I did need a while. Well, we do have the Toto heated toilet seat and spray adapter, so right. it's pretty nice. Do you I can have poopery? Uh, no, we don't. I, we don't need poopery. We have a bidet, so oh. we're cool. Um, well, but that cleans, but it doesn't keep the smell down. So poopery. poopery is the stuff you spray before you go. Oh, oh yeah, preventative spray. You don't really care. I get married like twenty years. We don't care. Right, yeah. but yeah, but as far as I was concerned, when I did read, read their test. If I'm to believe their test, and we all know how I feel about the Bonnier Group, I don't necessarily always believe them. I believe that at the end of every great review is a pot of gold. Paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I do believe in that. But Enfield has not known, Royal Enfield or their U.S. distributor, has not historically been known for spending a ton of money to get a great review. True. Much like the Moto Guzzi of the world and things like that. 
So you maybe would, they've tried and their products have just been so <laughs> bad that even the biggest payoff wouldn't have them compromise Again, themselves. Yeah. The Enfield that we sent to the uh, testing center down in uh, in near Columbus there, they have the giant track where they test everything. That bike was in the hands, we prepped it, and the bike was in the hands of the testing group for all of about two days before the fuel pump fell out of it. And that's a terrible thing to have, is when, when the independent testing group of a motorcycle <laughs> that's going to report to the NHTSA about the quality of this motorcycle, when the fuel pump fucking falls out of the gas tank and three gallons of gas goes on the motor, what are the odds, right? And that's why I was going to say, the true test that no magazine's ever going to do is right. in two, three, four years. Yeah. 2019 W800 versus yes. 2019 Enfield. And, and that is a great thing. Speaking of that test, Cam, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I wish that Hofford was here because with, if Hofford was here, we could do the Pepsi challenge between a Simba 100 oh. and the Super the Cup. Super Cup? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Because how fucking cool would that be? Is that a 12-year-old Simba? That is a pretty old Simba, yeah. I think that's a 2009-ish, yeah, right? 10-year-old Simba? Yeah. Didn't I ride a Simba to Detroit? You did. <laughs> I did. That's a long time ago. 12 yeah, years ago. Yeah, you did. You rode when they... Yeah, that's right. You were just a kid. That was ridiculous. Oh, Why would you do that you. to somebody? Why would you make what them ride you a Simba ride? to Detroit? Well, we rode I'm glad you should bring that up. I believe I've heard this story, but refresh my memory. Um, on one particular day, Merritt and I happened to have two products at the shop that we felt needed to be proven. Hmm. They were two products that had a high degree of skepticism <laughs> among the consumers. And there was quite a high degree of skepticism about the performance of these two motorcycles. Oh, I think I know what the other one was. Yes. And since I, I am a man that believes in a good solid test, mm -hmm. in a test that, well, like we talked earlier. You're also is, a bit of a showman, too. Exactly. <laughs> I believe in a test that most people are going to go, well, uh, can't fucking argue with that. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the he walk. Walks well, I, we did take a brand new buddy out of the crate and put 660 miles on it around Lake Erie. Pink, no less. The only man who beat me sitting at the table. <laughs> uh, right. But that's a pretty good test. Mm -hmm. It would be very hard, hard for people to say the bike was low quality after one carried a 200 pound test victim around Lake Erie. And I'm sure you did all the protocol of like, you know, varying oh, the yes, throttle clearly. and keeping it yeah. under 30. Clearly. And, yeah, right. Yeah, all those things. Right. It's literally broken in. It was broken in now. <laughs> it was broken in this moment, yeah. But that point being, we like making dramatic things. Um, I remember Bob, our friends from uh, Minneapolis, they took uh, Kimco People 250 out of the crate and they ran it on the road that like circles Minneapolis mm -hmm. for 24 hours <laughs> at highway speeds. 20 hours of Kimco 250? 24 hours 24 of the hours Twin of, Cities? 24 <laughs> hours of People 250, exactly. Yeah, 24 hours of the Twin Cities. They did that, so I love that kind of thing. I love taking uh, you know, a, a madass, a Saks madass across America. I love these- A Royal Enfield and a Wolf. Well. Didn't you guys pull that move one time? I think it was, was it the Wolf? And we the did the Royal Enfield and the Wolf, the Sim Wolf 150. Mm -hmm. uh, Merritt and I had taken these two bikes straight out of the crate. A 500cc Royal Enfield Classic, C5 Classic, the one with the 18-inch wheels, the smaller wheels. We took one of those, topped the gas, we took the Sim Wolf 150 and topped the gas, 
What's that? Go ahead. And we headed west. And we wanted to see how far we could make it on a single tank of gas, a 500 versus a 150. Hmm. And by the way, we did the whole thing at freeway speeds. So fuck you, break-in, right? <laughs> uh, and we did. We maintained 70 miles an hour the whole way. And indicated 70. And indicated 70 <laughs> miles per hour, which the GPS was happy to advise us was about 63. Was the 150 drafting behind the 500? No. Really? No. And it, here's That's the weird thing. some wind for a 150. We, um, we super-duper ran out of gas at about 8 miles. Uh, we we ran out of gas. The Enfield ran out of gas first because mm -hmm. the Enfield. We wanted to see what the actual distance would be, gasoline full, Cleveland, Ohio. How far you could get, and we made it to eight mile in Detroit. We made it to eight mile. We and I knew I was like it's sputtering. You know the red fuel light was on for a long time, and we were just wherever it stops, it stops. But who's going to have more gas? Sorry. A 150 at 70 miles an hour or a 500 at 70 miles per hour. Right. Who can go further on their basic amount of gas? And it turns out the Wolf 150 can go further. Mm -hmm. Here's the weird thing is though, when we pulled into the gas station. And we, In a great neighborhood, by and, the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh it <laughs> yeah. was great. It was a fucking bad neighborhood. I felt so safe. It was a super duper bad neighborhood. And we pulled. And it was night. Yeah, by the time Getting we got there, it was the evening. That's yeah. when you get pulled over. I, I used to, I DJed, so I was trying to find a club, and I got lost. And you get, and then I'm, I'm like driving down basically by eight mile in this this hood area. Cop pulls up with his lights on. He's like, "Are you buying drugs or lost?" Like, <laughs> I'm lost. The latter, sir. Yeah, yeah. The latter. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, we pulled in, and both motorcycles, and this is what's fucking still bothers me to this day is both motorcycles took exactly three three point two gallons gas to the to the penny it's a geographical anomaly it's a geographical anomaly that a 150 and a 500 could travel the exact same number of miles at the exact same speed and use the exact same amount of fuel hmm. there's probably some law there of physics though that it's gonna take so much energy yep. to transport a certain amount of weight from point a to point b Yep. And while you were probably a little bit heavier on the heavier bike, yep. she was a little lighter on the lighter bike, yep. it still took a certain amount of energy to get from point A to point B. Maybe? I mean... I don't know, because look at the NC700X, dude. That thing gets 75 miles to the gallon if you're light on the throttle. Right. And you're still, That's true. It's a big, heavy bike. So yep. it would have clearly then been a case that the Wolf was guzzling fuel to be using more fuel than... Again, well, the RPMs. Don't the numbers it. don't lie. What's the RPMs of the 150 versus well, 500? Well, so now you're you have to try my this. Case where right. it takes so much energy to yeah. move x x right. amount of mass from A to B at a certain speed. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the engine configuration is. It takes so much energy to buck that that. Absolutely. Well, the 150 is working much harder yes, at is. highway speeds. Yep. But so you'd have to. You have to be buried full throttle. No, no, because right. hold on. Where, so, where the Enfield could have probably just been cracking about half to three quarters. No, but look at this. So, okay, my Super Tenray that weighs 610 pounds or whatever it's supposed to weigh, right? And then the NC 700X that weighs 525. So you're only talking about 50 pounds, 60 pound difference, right? Mm -hmm. But you send those out on the same road, 60 miles an hour. My Super T gets 38 to 40 miles a gallon. The NC gets 75. It's going to go way further. So there's got there's more to it than well. The more to it too is aerodynamics, but right. neither one of those was set up to be very aerodynamic. Nope. They so. were both the way they came out of the crate. Merritt and I were riding the bikes side by side. Neither one of us was in a full Slightly tuck. Slightly staggered. Slightly staggered. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. because what did you, know you do, should. Merritt, to use that much fuel? 
<laughs> well, I mean, but that's on. that thing is the 150 was working harder than the 500 was. The well, 150 is carbureted as well. Oh, that, there's a big difference. Okay, so now I call your attention to the screen to look at the 2000. Uh, <sighs> and I love this. The website is still up. Uh, but yeah, the website is still there. The folks at Alliance Power Sports still want you to know that the 2015 Simba 100 is a relevant oh, piece of their inventory. What's that? That's the Lion King thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, Simba. Uh, so here's what's cool about it. Kind of got a sweet tie on. Fifty nine. Looks like my old man. Right. Fifty nine mile per hour stated top speed. Now the good news is we can tell you because we did run on one of these in the quarter mile. Um, we did test it. And that's not bullshit. The 59 mile per hour top speed that they're giving you, we got 63. So we got 63 and a full tuck. The 100 miles per gallon, I can tell you, is completely doable. You can achieve 100 miles per gallon. And the 6.7 horsepower, we didn't test. But that's enough to get you freeway legal in the state of Ohio, where all vehicles must be at least five horsepower to get on the freeway. My lasting impression of the Simbo was on one of the Mods versus Rockers run, mm -hmm. when one of our lady riders was riding the Power Blue one. Yep. With her rather fashionable boots and everything. She looked great. And just keeping up just fine. Oh, she had no problem keeping up with us. Yeah. I mean, probably had to give it the beans and everything, but. So my shootout is when are we going to get together with. Steve and his Super Cub, his brand new 125 Super Cub. Fuel injected. And fuel injected. Mm -hmm. And our Simba, because we all know his Super Cub uh, is, you know, I'm going to let you guys venture. A quite, go ahead. What about um, riding these vehicles to Columbus for the uh, AIM show? Oh, yeah, there you go. I'll take my monkey. That's a brilliant Steve idea. Steve can take the Super Cub so yep. I can ride the Sim. That's a brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. That's a hell of a three-way shootout. I approve of yep. all of that. Um, because when we look at the Super Cub C125, you know, base price is a, a cheerful $35.99. The Sim, when the Simba was out, the, the Simba was a, a cheerful $25.99. So it was about $1,000 less. But that's adjusted for 2007 pricing. Well, 2015. So oh, the last okay, time they sold a Simba okay. was 2015. I'm sorry. Yep. So it's pretty close. I mean, that's not that far off. It doesn't have the, you know, I mean, Simba doesn't have a keyless entry system for fuck's sake. Right? I mean, Simba doesn't have a key fob. Uh, fuel injected, fuel injected versus carbureted again. Also. Fuel injected versus yes. You're all just going to make things. Steve want to buy the Simba too because he already likes the RV 250s. Correct. So we'll have to have the. It's just the starter pack. Right, and that's <laughs> true. And the one thing that's weird is, uh, I, I do want to see. Let's see if it does give us something that you know, two valves per cylinder. That's just like everything else. I was hoping that it would give us something in the way of performance. I really did. Uh, it doesn't give us performance numbers. That's not Honda's. Uh, Honda doesn't like right. that. Yeah, they don't like that. Our only chance is here at other. No, not not going to happen. We'll so, let somebody else review it and tell you what it's. Oh, I'm sure there's a review. Oh, already. I'm sure that we could do a a, a Simba a Super Cub top speed. Yeah, why not? I'm sure somebody did it. I mean, come on. For those sixty-two the, miles per hour. For those in the viewer, there audience, you go, guys. Sixty-two. We have a big screen TV now yeah. that we, you know, we're using as a, our as our reference, so we can share information with the rest of our podcasters, so that we can kind of be relevant and topical. So yeah, it looks like the speed is exactly the same. It looks like your indicated speed of fifty nine to sixty miles per hour on the on the uh, Simba and sixty two miles per hour on the Super Cub. So take that, but, uh, dude. Let's go out and have some fun. Sixteen fastbacks right there. What's that second uh, hit there? Mm. 
Are both of them Which four one? speeds? Down, 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 down. They're both up. four speeds. On the right, one more. This one? Six, oh, six, 16 fast facts. Thank you. Okay, yeah. I thought you said fast backs, and I was like, fast mm. back? They made a 16 sim- fast backs. That's great. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think this is all the, the basic stuff. Uh, okay, so yeah. This is all yeah, marketing yeah. puke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it isn't a sport bike. It isn't a sport bike that you tear about in the city. Well, no shit. Did you look at it? <laughs> what, um, website, it be, what website is this? It's uh, www.ultimatemotorcyclingfailures.com. No, it's actually just ultimatemotorcycling.com. It's I not a, a failure can you, can you scroll up again for just a second? Sure. I need to read that sentence out loud. Which one? The one about the sport bike sentence. Oh, no. It's Somebody terrible. got paid. Like... Yeah, someone got paid to write that. Well, if someone who gets paid to write shit just like that, yeah. I'm offended. This isn't a sport bike that you tear about on. In Our the city. standards are quite really, cool. doctor. Got yeah. any more discoveries for us, Nancy yeah. Drew? What is cool mm-hmm. is that the Simba and the uh, Super Cub both have telescopic forks, which was the shortcoming of all the previous generations of the bikes. Now the Super Cub does have a fucking great disc brake on it too, whereas the Simba has a fucking paltry drum. So yeah, but it'd be fun to do a. a the Super Cubs ABS also. Oh my God, you're right. So do they have, both have enclosed chain? Uh, I can't tell from here. Yes, they do. Yep, they both do. The uh, su- the Simba has a two-position no adjustable rear suspension that has the images of a single rider and images of a double rider. Oh, does it have the bar seat? that you pull yep. the bar? Yep, it has the bar. Yeah, yeah, that's, yep. cool. that's old school. Yep. That's kind of cool. That so has right a solo there. seat. That has a double seat. I did. Uh, I did read yeah. a. Um, a, a review that went into a little more detail yeah. that pointed out that I guess these were supposed to come with some kind of like luggage rack that would have been like a really cute chrome luggage rack that would have totally fit the looks it's of the bike. It's unexcusable that they don't. There's but an available it's, one. It's an available one. So it's I mean, one that you can buy for money. It's unexcusable that it didn't come from the factory with a luggage rack on it. It either had to have a luggage rack or a second seat. Yes. But to have neither. Yeah, unexcusable. That is. I'm with you. Well, I mean, I, I mean just one more little thing it really wouldn't have cost that much. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, are you really looking to gouge the consumer to get that extra little accessory out of them? I mean, can you even get that accessory? I mean, you're lucky to be able to find a Super Cub. Yeah. Let alone find the Super Cub and the accessory rack that goes on the I back. I bet they have the, the racks. You're the one that found me the Cub. rack for the RX50 at uh, Vintage Days in 2016. If I did, I don't remember. Huh. They uh, do have, and by the way, I was on the website. The Honda website does show the luggage rack accessory and the seat, the bench seat accessory as available for optional purchase to build out your uh, mm. C125 Super Cup. So that's, those things are both available from the parts catalog. Included. I've already made I agree. my complaints. Yeah, I agree. And the, uh, the grab rail on the Simba hits me right in the fucking taint every single time. I hate where that grab rail is. And it is welded to the fucking seat frame. <coughs> uh, I'm going to cut the goddamn thing off. Because it makes you sit so far forward on the bike that you, you really, you just can't help but feel like, eh, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, sit on that thing. When you sit on it, if you sit back where you want to sit, you're basically, that grab rail hits you right in the fucking coccyx. I really want to talk about a discussion I had with my wife the other night when we were out in our backyard drinking until 2 o'clock in the morning about taint. But I taint? think it's probably a good idea that I taint, just taint. don't talk about that. Probably right. fair. I, I would yeah, we'll save that for a different podcast. Yeah, it was nothing cool. wrong with that. We'll talk about it after the podcast. Shack. The uh, that's uh, the rear carrier is seventy-two doll hairs and ninety-five centavos. Hmm. 
So that's it doesn't look very big. No, it's pretty fucking small. That's not CT90. Yeah. No, that is pretty small. There's no that, barbecue rack on. No, there. that's small. That's a very you know small. It would have been super cool if they'd have made the bolt pattern exactly the same as the CT90. That would have been cool. You could take a CT90 yeah. rack and be like, yeah. bam, bam. And that's boom. that's a good point. If you're Honda Motors and you've had 50, 60, 90 years of motorcycles to draw on, yeah. Jesus Christ, you've had Super Cubs for like 1959. So you've got all this time. You've got 60 years of Super Cubs or Super Cup variants, why wouldn't there be a guy who's in the fucking build-out department mm -hmm. who goes, all right, bring me every accessory we've ever made for every country ever, and I'm going to put well nuts on this fucker. We're yeah. going to put well nuts on this thing everywhere so that you want to have a CT110 rear rack? It. Bring it on, brother. Yeah, yeah. You want to put a 24 by 24 by 24 stainless steel box on the back, like they use in you know Indonesia for food delivery? Bring it on. We got that. I really think that they missed the trick by not covering this thing in fun accessory receptacles. Making it a U. Well, shit, man. Look, the reason they sell side by sides to hillbillies isn't because that side hillbillies want to buy side by sides. Mm -hmm. It's because hillbillies want to accessorize their side-by-sides. Show me a fucking razor that has OEM wheels and tires on right. it. Yeah. You know, they all make a trip to the accessory store before they leave the dealership. That is so, an absurd luggage rack. Well, it's anger. It's, it's anger-provoking is what it is. You wouldn't be mad at it unless you saw it. And when I mean, you saw it, you'd realize how insignificant it was. It's just big enough to maybe mount a Gibby plate on it and put a top box or well, something. Well, more importantly, I mean, I'd like to add that there is no goddamned back seat. Yeah. That you can't put a person on the back of how a fucking super How am I going to mount a cup. melt crate on that? Like, well, barely. That's annoying. But I'm, I'm, I, you guys check. I'm not lying to you. You can see that I clicked the accessories button. And it, nowhere do you see in there a way to carry your wife. Or kid. Or kid. That's shameful. Or dog in a milk crate. Right. I'm the fact that you can't put now. another human, the <laughs> fact that you can't share your love for the Honda Super Cub with some member of your family. Man. It's, well, if they're 16 or older, they should have their own Super Cub. At that price, you can I just agree. buy two. Right. Yeah. I guess that's the idea. I guess that's but it only idea. comes in one color. So you I need the Bambino, the little seat that goes in front of the seat. Yep. The I had child. no idea that the Super the Cub... The strap that Sleepy has to mm -hmm. tie yep. your child to you. Yep. I had no idea that there. the Super Cub was going to be fucking monoposto. Mm -hmm. I mean, how fucking elitist of them. Super Cub 946. They probably yep. talk to a lot of... It says Honda. I wish Steve were They here. probably talk to people and I really say, need to talk how, to Steve. Will you have someone with you? What will you take you got a buddy you? on your hat. Do you want? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's gone. A little fly. So that's the thing. So that's that's. Hey, it. Hofford, what's with that piece of shit bike? Right. Bought? Why does your bike not have a bitch pad? Right. Uh, so, I like to ride. So I, I have I a small a topic <laughs> as an offshoot. Okay. On solo. So, so low, you, can't you sell quite a few scooters. <laughs> I do. You're like kind of the scooter guy for um, a long time. Number, th I think we're number three okay. right now. Yeah. So what? In Cleveland. No, in the district. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in, in Ohio, in Ohio, what number are the rules? Cleveland. Of small displacement scooters and parking them on sidewalks. I'm oh. happy to tell you. I will bring you a 
copy of the ORC, ORC if you like. I can bring it well, up. Well, I need it too. because my wife got a ticket parking <gasps> at work. Bum, bum, bum. And, and it's her 50cc Metropolitan, and it was mm. not blocking anything. It was on the side. Mm. What city? The key words. Ah. Ohio Revised Code says a motor-driven cycle. What yes. defines a motor-driven cycle? Pedals. Yes. Moped. Right. It yeah. said, the one that I saw that I pulled up said that any scooter, and it was signed by Mike DeWine in 2014 or something yep. like that, says that any motor scooter 125 cc's or under can 150. park, 150, 150 and under, yeah. can park on the sidewalk as long as it's not impeding anything. Yep. Right. It's not allowed to impede anything. Right. But it says motor-driven cycle. That's the, that's the verbiage they use. I think it was changed, though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's a scooter or a motor-driven cycle or a fucking moped, or a fucking Harley-Davidson, I believe that the language, the significant portion of the... the writer. The, the significant portion of the text is that it's the dimensions of 150 cc's. And motor-driven cycle gives you the absolute most leeway. I mean, that's that leaves the most to interpretation. However, I feel that I, I do recall the word scooter as being when I, featured. Um, when I bought my monkey, yeah. the kind lady at the dealership right. came out and said, you know what the coolest thing about this motorcycle is? At which point I looked at her and I said, picking up chicks. <laughs> Clearly picking up chicks. And she like flat face said, All right, here. you can park it on the sidewalk. I'm pulling it up right now. Yep, it says a motor-driven cycle or motor scooter that has an engine not larger than 150 cubic centimeters yep. or a bicycle or electric bicycle provided the motor-driven cycle, yep. motor scooter, bicycle, or electric bicycle does not impede. I got to say, man. Okay, so does my Honda Monkey qualify under yeah, one of those? It's it a motor scooter. It's a motor-driven cycle. It's not a motor scooter. It's a motor-driven cycle. No, it was cycle. just on her thing. Is it so a motor-driven cycle? A motorcycle? thought that it was impeding. Does it have a motor? Because that's where the judgment comes from. Yeah. Well, well, Does on. it have a motor and it has two wheels? Is it a cycle? Yes. Stand all of the above. Right. All of the above. I, mean, I think there's a technical yeah, let's, de let's definition in the ORC also of a motor-driven cycle, and I believe they're talking uh, about a bicycle mm -hmm. with a motor, nope. assist motor. That is a moped. And it even comes up. No, moped can't be more than 50 cc. Hey, guys, right here, man. I don't. We don't have to have too much subject to interpretation because the law specifically has all the words right here. Yes. It says motor scooter. Right. Okay. And so look, right so here. it says motor scooter. It says motor driven cycle. Done. Here's the ticket. Yeah. Look at there it yeah. is. MC Honda, whatever. Right. Yeah. It doesn't and it matter. It just says on sidewalk, right. whatever. Okay. So, so okay. here's the point. Right there. That right down that section of the ORC. Yeah. Yep. And then take it to court with you, and they should throw you out. Now, here's what's going to happen. We've all had a good time having fun with that, but I'm going to bring you into what I like to call Uncle reality? Phil's dream-killing reality session. Right, right, right. <laughs> so Uncle Phil's dream-killing reality session is this. We have had a number of our customers get cited not under 4511.7. Oh. So see what their citation is, and yes. this is where it's going to matter. See what citation they wrote down to cite you. Because if they used 4511.7 okay, to cite you, you're in good shape. Okay. What else but would they, they didn't, cite you for? Ah. Don't turns say, out. Don't say what it is till he says what it is. No, I don't need to. Where do you find out? It, it should say on the. It should say the ordinance. So they're going to have to tell you what they cited you for. So they give a license number. They give you. A, it's just a parking fucking ticket. All right. So a parking ticket is. Uh, uh, it's not even a minor misdemeanor. So. Right. No, it, but I'm not right. paying that. It's no, and you shouldn't. You should right. cite this to not pay it. So they're not citing you under a particular ordinance. Mm -hmm. They're citing you under. 
uh, uh, just a prohibition, all right? And the prohibition could be 3 to 6 a.m. The well, prohibition could what, be fire If you look at what hydrant. town it is, they're known for sighting. We lived there once. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Cleveland Heights is Cleveland Heights. But that's how they make money. But here's the important part. Cleveland has been citing people for parking their scooters on a sidewalk, and they're not citing them under this particular ordinance. They're citing them under a Cleveland code. And that's where you got to watch because it is common, it is acceptable that a municipality, municipality would follow the state ordinances. However, in the state of Ohio, we do have part of our articles, of it, our, 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 our incorporation as a city into the state says that we are allowed to have laws more strict than, but not less strict than. Local ordinances can right. trump yeah. Ohio Absolutely. So like Cleveland had uh, it was like 40, 79 or 40, 97.3, mm -hmm. which was we operating wheeled vehicles right. on sidewalks, yeah. which includes bicycles, yeah. scooters. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, skateboards and right. stuff, and we had yeah. we put a sign up because skateboarders were always blasting through and going up on the wall. You got it. Broke some windows every once yep. in a while, and it was like, no, you're not, you are not legally allowed to ride your skateboard on the sidewalk. Now the good news is it's an affirmative defense for any person, any citizen, or anybody who wants to go after it. Stupid. It's an affirmative defense to state the state ordinance right. because it is the state ordinance, and just because a city ordinance is derelict and hasn't caught up to speed with the state ordinance and what our customer was told is we're going to throw it out not because you're right <laughs> but because we're going to adopt that ordinance next year anyway mm -hmm. so we're not admitting that we were wrong right. we're admitting that we're doing you a courtesy because the ORC is not a prohibition exactly. it's a it's specifically calling out you know, uh, an entitlement. Like yes. you're allowed to park there. It's not Absolutely. saying you're not. You know, it's not calling out what you're not allowed to do. Right. So that's the thing is, you have city ordinances, you have state ordinances, and that's the the slippery thing. If the guy cited you on forty five eleven seven, right. Well, then yeah, game yeah, on, dude, right. because he cited you under state ordinance. So basically, it's going to yeah. come down to if they really want to fuck around or something like that. I would simply take the envelope. I would mail them. I would print this out. I would highlight the areas in question and I would mail it to them and then let them decide what they want to do. Ultimately, what they will do is they will say, we saw your piece of paper. We hold hearings on this, you know, June 8th or whatever. Right. Please participate in the hearing. But in the meantime, we are holding this and after 90 days, we're going to turn it over to collections. How, good, how much do you value your credit rating? Right. Because this is a cash grab and we're going to send it to collections. Can you lose your license though? Can they suspect you? Not for a parking ticket. No, no, no. They can't, but what they can do is the next time that you get pulled over, you can be detained for unpaid fines and fees. So if you do want your life to be a little more interesting and you like police officers, you want to meet as many as possible, <laughs> then what I recommend is don't pay any of your parking tickets or your red light tickets, no matter how non-constitutional they might be, because then when you do get pulled over and they find out that you've got $396 of unpaid fines and fees for the four red light cameras you you know proudly flipped off as you went past on your Hayabusa because they're not legal in your state. Or like my niece, right. she went out to go get their car and it was gone because she didn't pay her Right, parking. this is exactly it. Right. I can tell you about some of those speed cameras though that yeah. as you approach you see yeah. the like lights flashing. Yep. Well, when you're on a motorcycle you don't have a front plate. Yeah. So yeah. I was in a municipality not far from right. the greater Cleveland area 
coming up a hill and I was on the 1150 and I saw this flash and I said, what the hell was that? So yeah. I said, I'm going to go around the block and take another look <laughs> at a slightly greater speed. Round two. The fourth yeah. time around the block. Front wheel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I showed him the underside of the you oil pan. You showed him yeah. the oil pan. Yeah. You yeah. showed him the drain plug. Yeah. 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 Whoever was looking at those pictures, I hope they got a smile on their I'm face. I'm sure they did. Uh, yeah. I went by at increasingly greater speeds <laughs> thinking like, they're only taking a picture of the front of the bike and I was smiling at them yeah. and everything else. And then you're like, then they send you the picture of the back of the bike. No, nope. uh, I checked. There was no, yeah. there was no cameras we facing a, the other way. We've had a number of, you know, pictures come back here to the shop because people, when they're running on temp tags, mm -hmm. so when a person's on a temp tag and they get a, oh, a, a comes speed, here, yeah, it comes gotcha, here. Gotcha. So we've always kind of said the well, you know, if you want to go get a warrant, I will be happy to go through my records and tell you who the person is that is registered to that temporary tag. Right. I'll give you all the information you want. I love to help law enforcement. But in the meantime, I'm trying to run a business. Right. So grab your warrant real quick, come back with a judge's order. I'll be happy to give you all the information. That's no problem. I, I, I don't want to do it. But you also can't cite me. You can't make me pay the ticket. That's what I'm saying. You can't clearly, be left holding the bag right. though. Very clearly, I'm not the one operating the vehicle. So that's a, it's an interesting thing. I remember thing. one day I was riding with James. Yeah. And I don't know where we're going or what we're doing. We were down on Clifton Boulevard, and for a time they had the traffic cameras down. Yes, they, they did. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. I remember yeah. that. And that motherfucker, when I really wasn't cognizant of it, he's on his Land Rover. I'm on my CB750. Yeah, right. He pulls up and he's like, ring, 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 ring. And of course I'm like, what? I'm like, all right, fucking. All right, if we're playing what? that game. <laughs> and I go flying through the speed camera because that motherfucker totted me on. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I got you to go through the speed camera. He gave you the nod. I'm like, you did. But uh, as fate would have it, I never got shit from it. So oh, you like, didn't? But I saw the flash went off and everything. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, that's maybe they can read the plate for Well, I think what it was is maybe both bikes were in the frame. Yep. Yeah. And they had to figure out. So yeah. are you allowed, uh, you know, like. Oh, it's a judgment call. All those things are a judgment call. Somebody exactly. looks, some poor person, some poor puke looks at those things and goes, well, this is where we are. Their Who do we write to take Swipe right or swipe saw, left uh, all day long. I saw a welcome mat this week uh -huh. that I could buy that I'm considering buying that says uh, come back with a warrant. Yes. Really friendly looking text yeah. just says come back with a warrant. Extraordinarily nice font. Welcome on it. There's another one too that's got the five-year-old's rendition of the Gadsden flag that says no step on snake in yeah. Comic Sans. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Considering that one, too. That's a pretty good one. The, uh, I really, the more that I'm looking at kind of the, the type of riding that I've been doing lately, I've been riding the Harley a lot more. I've been practicing. I've been doing, par you know, parking lot practicing. Because you want to do the whole rodeo thing, right? I'm working towards a, I'm working towards a motorcycle, uh, police, law enforcement motorcycle skills test. That's where I'm ultimately headed. So I'm doing a lot of practice with that. Um, and again, the other day, well, it's outside, but the other day the voltage regulator took a shit. And the weird thing was the voltage regulator took a shit in a manner in which the bike literally just goes down to 11.9 volts. Mm. And it holds at 11.9 for pretty well forever. But that's enough to trip both the, uh, the battery light and the check engine light. And uh, it was doing this thing where it would phase back in and go to 13.5 volts because I have a voltmeter on the dash. It would phase back into 13 and a half volts because mm -hmm. when I started seeing this check engine light, I added diagnostic devices. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's that. What could have been happening is uh, um, at idle sometimes yep. they'll do it, they'll mm -hmm. they'll produce and they'll hold the regulate. Mm -hmm. As soon as you blip it, yep. it goes away. They go away. And I had like with my XS750, 
the test was you could actually touch a wire like yep. if it wasn't charging yep. you could take you could ground out the voltage regulator mm -hmm. the one wire that's it and that would make it start charging again yep. and then as soon as you revved it up it mm -hmm. would stop charging correct like, yeah. so it's cutting out and, cutting and that's a standard or test you, for most and, and so like if i would get to a point yeah where I, my it would die i yeah. would shut it off you turn it back on start it up don't rev it up and it would sit there and charge and as long as you just let it idle for a while it uh, would charge up the battery. So this is fun. Uh, I thought this would be good, uh, a good graphic training aids. I'm holding in my hands a aftermarket voltage regulator for a big twin, uh, Harley-Davidson big twin motorcycle. And uh, it is slightly different than the OEM variant. The OEM variant has a rubber housing and the, the Molexes are built into it as opposed to this where the Molexes are external. That kind of looks like Darth Vader's mouth. It does yeah. look like Darth Vader's mouth, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll see on the left side, we've got our power, we've got our positive and our negative in mm -hmm. that one. And then on the right side, we've got our three phases going in. Gazinda and Gazada. Gazinda and exactly as I like to say. And when I was reading in the service manual, the Harley-Davidson service manual about these, not only do they want you to test as we would always test for resistance, you know, put it in the diode mode on your, uh, you know, multimeter that you mm -hmm. got for free from Harbor Freight. Batteries cost more than the multimeter. Um, you would test the positive side against all three phases. And then you'd look for a voltage number or a resistance number somewhere between 300 and 500 or 600. And that would be that the unit was operating well within spec. They also recommended doing a negative which I had never heard before. And I was wondering if you guys had ever experienced that either. Um, I'd, never, I'd never heard that you would ever, and why would you test backwards across the negative? Because the negative should be on the board inside of this thing. The negative should be a goddamn ground mm -hmm. for everything. And it would seem logical to me that anything that you would test against the negative would be a completely closed circuit. Diodes? Yeah. So, you know, a diode mm -hmm. current can only go one way. Can only go one way. Yep. Well, there are a series of diodes where you're testing diodes going from positive to negative. But you you're got also it. checking a, a particular diode that goes from negative to positive. That, yeah. So if that anybody protects you from like, right. uh, you know, like when your battery's hooked up, yeah. you're maybe testing the battery to make sure that it, the voltage regulator doesn't kill your battery. Okay. I'm, I'm just like saying, that, if anybody has there. any logic for me or wisdom of why after uh, a lifetime, of testing voltage regulators in a very particular manner that I've done for every voltage regulator I've ever tested. And I'm not an electrical engineer, but yep. I know there's various different types of regulators. Yes, some, there are. some are shunt to ground. Yep. Some regulate the actual amount of current produced yep. by changing the you know the, the the amount of actual magnetism in the stator and everything. Okay. So it depends yeah. on what type of you know if that's a ground shunt one then maybe that's a reason anybody who wants to comment clevelandmoto.com uh you know leave a comment and let us know why it is that harley davidson's uh shop manual would have me recommend testing all three poles of the uh voltage regulator against not just positive but against negative as well so Curious. i'm gonna i have two things yeah john's obviously a technical answer way beyond my expertise yeah. so two things one is Perhaps the they have had so many problems with the manufacturer mm -hmm. that they actually want you to test it more than one way because mm -hmm. they have found that they're wrong. Yep. And so if you've tested every which way, then you'll yep. know if it's wrong or, or not. The other one yeah. is human error. If someone is incompetent and, and they don't know if you to test it both right. positive and right. negative, That's you true. had to have tested it in the way that you need you to. You hit the right one. So it's like the legal. So if you're taking a 50-50 chance, at least this way you're covering all the bases. Have you ever plugged in a USB cord? 
You always get it right the third time. So when you go from the ground thing, yeah, or is there giving you a value, or is it, is it just making sure that your it was giving you a value? It was okay, giving you giving value, you best, and it was the same value as the it was the same value as the positive, which I found odd, and of course on both. The because each of the coils would be grounded, yes. so maybe you're just making sure that the it's a right. it's not an open or broken I coil agree. or something like that. Yeah. Very interesting, and as Merritt was pointing out, uh, 2012, apparently the first half of 2012, Harley Davidson had let a number of these fuckers get out of the stable that were not up to standard. And those uh, have always been a problem on every Harley. Haven't sure, they, they have. I mean, but 2012 in particular. Um, a lot of guys were getting these things replaced under recall for free, voltage regulators uh, free, and uh, I guess there was a rash of dealerships what were misdiagnosing them as a stator problem. Now, if you've ever replaced a stator in a Harley Davidson, you know that is not a one sandwich lunch. Uh, you're going to be in that game for a while. So, the dealers, uh, I've seen quite a bit of anecdotal information uh, or people commenting that their dealer, when they went in for the same problem I'm having, or similar, their dealer convinced them that it was not just the voltage regulator that had shit the bed, but it was also the alternator unt battery. That is a $1,100 trip to the fucking candy shop there, pal. How much is that? Is it just a voltage regulator? I think they're about a buck seventy or a buck eighty, hundred eighty dollars or so. Well, that's plug and play external. That's they are plug easy. and play external. Before yeah. you go pulling a stator, I think you're going to try this. Well, and that's exactly. The older Harley's just had a two wire deal that just was right up in the front of the frame. Like well, this that's mounted. essentially what this is. Is it's it's mounted right above the oil cooler or mounted right above that area, and it is. Uh, one plug in of a Gazinda and a Gazada, as you said. It's uh, they're they're very simple devices, and you look at the size of that thing. You look at the amount of gravity it has. There is there's no reason that thing should ever fucking fail. You wouldn't right? think so. And that's well, hundred. So that's yeah. That's one hundred and sixty bucks. Uh, Harley Davidson's tend to vibrate a little. I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, so. they do. They're strange. They shake a little bit, don't <laughs> they? That's not good yeah. for those. Uh, yeah, that's sometimes true. Sometimes the electronics leak out of those type of devices. I think you, you shake them enough, you agitate them enough, some of the electrons will escape. Uh, that is true. The uh, here's the interesting thing. That part. So that part from Drag Specialties is one hundred and sixty odd. You know, Freedom Copex. The one from Harley Davidson with the actual H and a D on it in Chrome is only one ninety nine. So mm. there's something for you. You know, you could buy the unit from the actual criminal as opposed to the uh, the you know. I'm certain this is from China. Uh, I'm certain the Harley Davidson one from China too. Cam. Yeah. So that's that's what happened. So there's that. Uh, thought that was interesting though. So if anybody can tell me why that is that way, I, I'm very curious to know because. Well, it's the bike I ride every day, mm -hmm. you know. See, now you're scaring me because my new my new infatuation uh -huh. is that I have to have a 1971 Harley Davidson Electric Glide. <laughs> this is my new thing. Oh. I want it to be the same. Are age you as Robert me. fucking Blake? I want it to be the same age as me, and I have to have one now. So this is the thing. It's that not going to be. You soon. know what? That goes right hand in hand with getting your hip surgery and everything. It does. Right? That's like yeah. the perfect I'm follow cool that. for mm -hmm. having your hip replaced. I'll have a new yeah. leg, a new Harley, a cane, yeah, and oh, a seventy-one <laughs> and a maxi scooter. That's oh, no, the scooter. I will. I will. You'll have to kill me before you take. That's what I'm going to say. You're going to have it. Turn in the barrel. 
He really, I mean, you love that damn maxi scooter. You love that super scooter. Aged twenty years in one year. I've ridden more. I've ridden more to work. I've ridden more to everywhere. Yeah. I've ridden everywhere on that stupid scooter more than I have on any motorcycle. Like anybody. In a long yeah. Time. I've, and you I can wear your that. long skirt. And I can wear my skirt. You can. Yeah. You and can absolutely wear whatever the fuck you yeah. want. So right behind us, we pulled <laughs> up on the screen. There's Robert Blake. Uh, yeah. There's Robert Blake standing next to his Electroglide in blue. Um, that movie's from 1973, and uh, it is shot at the pace of all 1960s and 70s movies. Um, right up until the 120th minute, you're wondering when it's going to get good, mm. and I'll ruin it for you. He gets murdered. Oh, no. No, it ends just like Easy Rider. Yeah. Like, this is that movie that you're like, oh, you well, know. Wait, wasn't Robert Blake the one accused of murdering his wife or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The pool. In real life. Yeah. In real life. Yeah, in real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in is he a life. cop in this movie? He's a cop. Okay. He's a cop. And all he's wanted, all he wanted ever was an Electroglide in Blue. And hence the name of the movie is Electroglide in Blue. And that's, I mean, that is it. That's the only thing this dude wants is an Electroglide in Blue. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck about nothing else. He's a short, sawed-off, cocky motherfucker um, who's a bad, bad mamma jamma. But he just wants to get his Electroglide in blue. He, of course, rides a normal you know, Harley-Davidson in his day-to-day police adventures. But his goal, and yeah, and just like Easy Riders and just like everything else... He ends up getting, you know, shot off the fucking thing. That's a sexy looking bike, though. Look at mm-hmm. that thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's got the Fargle. It's got all the, yeah, the accoutrement. Yeah. It's got the big double seat, the big buddy seat. Hey, they don't uh, put no accoutrement on no American motorcycle. Yeah, they do. So, if you guys. Yeah. You watch that sounds like commie words. You watch your mouth. He's ridden on a big bike. So, yeah, if you get a chance, you know, check out He's a Good Cop on a Big Bike on a Bad Road. Um, it is a good watch if you like if you like seventies, you know, bike exploitation films. Yeah, this is a good one. I mean, uh, I'm if you're it. into that, how yeah. You, how where are we at on uh, the Legend of Billy Jean? Ooh. You've never seen that? I have probably seen it, but it was a long, long time. Uh, well, yeah. what is it? Artie from Christine is in it. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, the same so. Pat Benatar song is in it about a yeah. hundred times. Yeah. And uh, it's about it's it's a it's like a road movie about trying to recover a stolen scooter. Oh, really? I think it's like a Honda Helix or something. Oh my God! It's uh, it's tremendously nineteen eighty. I have it on DVD. That came out in the eighties. One of best friends, The Legend of Billie Jean. I'm gonna say it came out in eighty two, eighty three. I remember it when I was in high school. Okay, I totally missed. Oh yeah, and Yardley Smith's in it, who's like does a bunch of voices on The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. you know, well, I, I will give you this. I knew fuck all about this movie. Really? I have a, I think I ignored it just because of the getting physical cover art. Uh, it looked, it, it definitely had the look of getting physical. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so there's that. Oh, so, I remember that movie. Anyway, but I missed it. I totally oh, yeah. missed it. No, I saw that movie. He was yeah. kind of like a badass tomboy. I read it the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, there's like this symbolic scene where like she cuts off her hair and like, because okay. he's just she tired goes, of. Yeah, she goes toughy. Yeah. Flash yeah. dance. Yeah. She's just had it up to here with everybody. Well, I think I see what she's had it up to in that scene. So apparently that's some fucking cold water that she's getting up out of. Uh, yeah, and that yeah, she doesn't have enough. Really uh, good shape. She's enough support for her chesticles. The uh, that was the same year the Wraith came out, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? The Wraith, yeah, yeah. one of the yeah, best okay. movies ever that. made. Oh, oh there's your around here today, today eh, Pack. Yeah, yeah, there we go. All right, so there we go. So Shit's yeah, so cake. apparently, <laughs> apparently, there's a movie I don't need to rush out and see because I, I have to avoid it this What's that? 
You Excuse have me. It? I have it on DVD. On DVD. Wow. Yeah, that's a future now, podcast. Wait, so Talk about like bad. This is made before movies. you were even born, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Five so years is before you were born. Bank Bank DVD for the scenes or is no? This? I bought it because it's got a Honda scooter in it, and actually yeah. the first. The first motorized two-wheeled street legal thing I ever owned is I owned a blue '85 Honda Aero '80 for about oh, six okay. months, and I was. I do for see movies. she's wearing the period correct uh, zebra print painter's cap, which yeah. I remember was all the rage. I, I definitely had one of those. So yeah, there you go. So there is uh, uh, the so legend. The blue, a blue '85 Aero '80 is yeah. the uh, co-star of a little movie called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Yes, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by the eponymous Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's there are plenty of scooter movies beyond Quadrophenia. Uh, there's there's no short of them. Some of my friends are in some of the ones that were shot in Chapel Hill that are also vampire and zombie hunting related. Ooh. That are uh, bikes that we've known. Uh, that show up and make uh, cameos and special. My Z-Rex is in the beginning of Torque. Really? A, gr- a, a Buzz Lightyear oh. Z-Rex, if I remember huh. right, is like in the opening credits of Torque. That's cool. It's like Busa 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 Stretch Six Hundred Stretch Six Hundred Busa Z-Rex Busa Busa Stretch Six Hundred. Okay, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Oh man, we need to either watch uh, we need to watch Biker Boys together. Ooh. That's I've a, seen that. What is uh, that? That was a long time ago. Man. The cowboy Guide? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There, are some, there are some pretty bad biker movies out there, and I don't think we can, uh, I don't we think we can watch them. Yeah. So, what we should, like, a, a really yeah. good idea, something uh, our old, my old podcast. Oh, that could that be the idea, to. Is, to, is to do the, the MST. Yeah, because you, you, you can't. Yeah. We can sync up. You, you can sync it up so that yeah. you can have a commentary track right. and just record it in such a way that none of the audio bleeds through. So sure. it's not... I'm sorry, is that a Fiat Panda 4x4? Yes, it was a Fiat Panda 4x4 Damn. with the trunk. Yeah. With the uh, with the van conversion. Yeah, that was from our trip from uh, Italy. Anyhow, so that's about it. Anybody else got anything else, else for us? Things uh, you think the podcast listeners need to know about? I rode the Vespa up from Cuyahoga Falls. Yeah, you did. The Vespa 150, nice. right? That's pretty rad. It turned over 1,700 miles on the way here, and I was telling Sleepy that I think it got, like, uncorked a little bit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Because I was yeah. looking down at the speedometer, and the speedometer read 75 at one point on level ground, and I wasn't tucked or nothing. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I first started out, I would have to tuck to get okay. indicated, like, 62. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And by the time I got here, Scooter's like, you're fine. Nice. Really? Yeah, I got passed by a dude on a Busa. Well, Which way? Yeah. he had the DOT approved uh, Oakley gas can sunglasses. He, and the oh, nice. baseball cap. Yeah, I uh, I ran, I outran an 883 on the way here on uh, on the scooter on the highway on my scooter. That scooter. is not very impressive. See? No, I know. Well, that, yeah. for me it is. I was I like, hell yeah, I'm doing 100 miles an hour, and you can't. Right, I'm doing 100 miles per hour on a goddamn scooter. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that is a hell of a thing. Well, I'm babying it in the uh, Mitsubishi Pajero because yes. of its wall-away suspension. Yeah, so everybody passed me. There's the two boxes there. of suspension right by the door there for you. <laughs> I've, I've, I've ordered in two boxes of suspension for the Pajero, so <laughs> we'll be sorting that shit out uh, most directly. But yeah, so you're rocking the new turbo diesel intercooled five-speed. Well, did my first diesel fill-up in my life today. Oh, you did? I did. This is the first time you ever put diesel in a vehicle. Did uh-huh. you get any on your hands? Do your no. hands smell like diesel? Or no. Your hands smell like awesome. No. High-skilled. Yeah, I love that smell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. It reminds me of the motor pool, and I can't get enough of that. Yeah. 
The smell of diesel in the morning is a very, I very good smell. I want to get diesel fuel. That's <laughs> 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 so good. Uh, now that's a good yeah. way to end it. Olivia yeah, Newton, way. John McElfresh. That's so cool. All right, man, <laughs> that's what bad. we got. I don't think we can do any better. No. Nope. Uh, it's certainly not in this price range. Mm. Uh, remember, guys, ride fast and take chances. Bum, 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 Press the button. Press the goddamn button. I got two buttons. It's still recording on the second channel. Uh,